I come back to my cell that day and I'm pacing in my cell. And all I was trying to think about was like, what was I going to tell my parents? Like, and, I, and, and it wasn't how was I going to tell them. It was what was I going to tell them? Because I was trying to think of a story. Mm-hmm. Like I was going to lie. Mm-hmm. I was going to tell them it wasn't my drugs. Right. It was somebody else's. The guards planted on me. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the inmates set me up, whatever. I was trying to think of a story. And then I had this moment of clarity um, where I just said, no, Mark, like, you know, you're not a kid anymore. You're not a, you're not a kid anymore. Like, you don't make mistakes. You make decisions, mm. you know, and, and mm. all your decisions have foreseeable consequences. Like, mm. you know, right. going into these things that there's a potential that it doesn't work out, mm. you know. And so if you want to be a man, if you want to be an adult, you want to operate as an individual. Mm. Right. Then then you need to be you, don't, you can't just take ownership of your decisions when they work out. That's right. You got to yeah. be willing to take ownership of them no mm. matter what yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so mm. that day. I didn't decide that I was going to change my life. I never decided that. Um, all I decided was that I was going to stop lying. That's the only decision mm. that I made. Mm. And it changed my whole life. It changed my whole life. Because wow. from that point forward, when something would, I'd have opportunities all day, every day. At that point, I was the man, you know? And, and, I, would, and I would go to do something just because it was easy. I could put this together. This is nothing. And, and I would think, man, am I going to want to own this? <laughs> that's so funny yeah. because I recorded my office and and I have dogs. I, I just got two. I got two pit bulls and uh, the one man. He just he. I don't know. He doesn't have separation anxiety, but he just always wants to be next to me. Uh. And he scratches the door of my office, and I'm like, well, this is awkward. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's authenticity, man. Yeah. People love that. Yeah. And what we're talking about is our uh, our. We have a transformer in our studio that that got, likes to go off every now and then. So. Uh, and oh, that voice like, that you heard, I was like, who's been talking to? <laughs> yeah, we're recording. It's all going. We're <laughs> live. Recording. That voice that you heard is is Mark Joe, uh, entrepreneur, fitness enthusiast. Um, what? How else would you describe yourself? All around badass dude. Just a regular dude. Just a regular yeah, I was dude. going in complete opposite direction <laughs> that Ben was going, but you know, hey, we're yeah. over there. Yeah. Savage, yeah. savage. Yeah, yeah better yeah. looking than all of us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and we'll, and we'll obviously jump Except into this. And we'll obviously jump into the story, but we do need to settle something really quickly. Tyler and I, you and I talked about this a few, few episodes ago, uh, and I wanted to get Mark's take because there's a cultural trend going on that that neither Tyler and I are big fans of, and so we want Darren, we want you and Mark to to put the. Is it, is, is this like the darker color? Wait, wait, wait. Is it the darker color? I'm going to preface this. It's 100% racial. Your culture versus our culture? I'm just saying. You are either going to prove or disprove. So go ahead. It's 100% racial. But I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, we were discussing this, and it's taking society in the wrong direction, in our opinion, and we want to. Destroying our country. It really is. It really is. It's destroying the country. Not to be sensationalist, but. So what's your, look, pick a random fast food restaurant. What's a, what's a fast food restaurant you like to go to? I mean, to be honest, I don't eat fast food. But, okay. Um, okay, quick food. Food fast. Yeah, like uh, fast casual. Fast like casual. Chipotle. Or maybe you don't even eat it. Zoe's, Cava. Okay. Well, I, I'm weird about my food, and, and, the, and the truth is, um, as a general rule, I don't like to eat at chains. 
Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. The chain, right. to me, they've, they've, they've just gotten to a really, really difficult. Where, where, where quality <laughs> went down. But I, I'll tell you, okay, so Grace, uh, you know, my, my girlfriend, she loves um, Chick-fil-A. She would say okay. Chick-fil-A. Okay. okay. So let's say you go to Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. and you walk up to the front, and you do your normal order or whatever, and they Which ask by you. By the way, I don't even think, can you even go in Chick-fil-A? Yes, yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Jeez, my God. Right. Yeah, there, there's, dude. Even I knew that. No, I'm not kidding you. I've been to probably three or four where the inside's not even open. It's just drive-thru. Well, supposedly during COVID, they, like, sales... Went crazy yeah. without the inside being open. Yeah. Going on a tangent here, but yeah, COVID's been over for like nine years, bro. Yeah. Get, get up with the times. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> you get you, they ring you up, and then at the bottom now Chick Fil A. I'm not not hating on Chick Fil A. I don't think they do this, but other fast food restaurants. Yeah, do. and it says, "Would you like to add a tip?" No, it doesn't say "Would you like to." It just says. Here's the options. Yeah. Oh, tips. Yeah. 10, okay. 12, 15, 20. What's your not, thought on this? This is not just fast food. No, this, this is, is literally the board, across the board. Every Retailer, single business apparel. It's not even just the food yeah. industry. It's That's a good every point. single one. And it's and it's you know, it's either do you want to add a donation or do you want to add a tip? Yeah. And and you can you can buy food too. Like I, I'm glad that you asked about fast food. Now I understand why you asked about yeah. fast food. Because in a restaurant, tip is is yeah. Standard. It's standard. Absolutely. Right? Because but in a fast food restaurant, given. you didn't provide any service. You yeah. didn't wait the table. They went and got them fries. Yeah. Went, what's wrong with I that? I threw away my own trash. Exactly. Like, it's crazy. I clean my table when I sit down, you know. And, uh, dude, I, I, get, I get you now. That's why we had you on the podcast right yeah. there is because of that. No, yeah. I agree 1,000%. I think that that's it's, – it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's almost like like when you really think about it, you know, I, th- I have a problem. I think in our country, culturally, since that's where you started, we have like an entitlement 100%. issue here, mm. right? And so I think that that feeds the entitlement, you know? Like, and then how dare you yeah. put no tip? Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how dare you? Yeah. Now they look at you like you're, like you're crazy, that's like you're right. cheap, you feel like judged. you're mean. It's, like you're, They're like, indignant that yeah. you didn't give them a tip and you didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. You didn't do it. Right. I just paid you for your product. That's, that's like the price that you, that you dictated. <laughs> that's like the guy in the corner getting mad that you don't give him free money. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. How? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I agree with you. D- Darren's quite over here, but to, to wrap up your point, it's, it's the participation trophy yes. is yeah. what it is. Yes. We made you fast food and now we expect an extra it, tip it, for it's it. It's entitlement, dude. It, it's crazy. It's fine. Are you D, D, give us like, like, are we, you're like, we're actually having this damn yeah. discussion. <laughs> Hey, hey, just like it's, it's destroying hey, just, America. Just because you're <laughs> being sarcastic there, but just because you're super rich and you give 30% on everything, nah. just oh, hey, here's, here's, here's look, I, money. I don't look, need it. What's the, there's an option, right? The option is no tip. And I, no sl- I pick right. it. No, you no, know what? no, no, no. You guys brought up race, though. You guys brought up race. I did bring so, up race. So, 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 By so the way, so Mark, I'm going to let you. you know that black <laughs> people you. have no problem putting hitting that no, no tip. tip. <laughs> None. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> the hell no. That's the, that's well, where's the, where's the 13 cent tip? <laughs> yeah. It's a nickel and eight pennies, too, by the way. How do I even calculate that? I may not stand for much, yeah. but I will absolutely stand yeah. for I'm not tipping yeah. my fast food restaurant. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just not going to give you something for nothing. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that. we settled that. Yeah. Now now we can actually proceed right, to the, the actual yeah. episode, but I'm glad we said, I'm glad we're all on the same page. Oh, White, Darren, black, Darren Hispanic, kind of we're all. silent there. He didn't really answer. <laughs> I was just listening. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is, are we really going we, to We did room? also bring this up that, and you're a businessman. Mm-hmm. I would love to see the numbers. I guarantee you revenues. 
It's not That's revenue fine. though. That's the thing. And I'm, tr- I'm no, trying. I guarantee to, they make so much more money off of that. It's not revenue, and yeah. those those employees are taxed on it. Are ma- well, they're 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 taxed on it, but they're making a lot more. And so you know what I think is really happening is the business owners can lower wages. If, mm. if, if mm, I think about that, business way. owners yeah. can lower wages if if you're generating. Literally, I mean, it's probably literally four hundred percent more. Oh, you yeah. know, I mean, it's it's a lot yeah, right. in tips than than you were previously generating right. before you yeah. implemented the 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 standard options. Yeah, you're right, and it's it's happening across the board. I well, mean, across the just board. You, you go up and and and, and you, have, you go you to order a take out. Stand. You order yeah. take out. Boom! Here it goes. You go to a newsstand. Bam! Yeah. Here it goes. Yeah. Tip. Yeah. It's just you know, it's up. It's your prerogative if you feel the yeah. need to. Because there's been times, honestly, guys, we're going down this road. Yeah. I've I've gone to places before. And without having the tip on, you know, on there, I've tipped people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I got cash, We've already covered cash this. I'll tip people. an exceptional job Absolutely. with service. Yeah. Or they smile. You That's know, right. the craziest thing is, like, we're, again, we're having, now we're going down this road, that, right? We got, we got de-fired up. We got a smile. <laughs> like, just a smile. Just smile. just smile sometimes and just show some kind of favor, then you might get a tip. Yeah, for real. Like, but 95% of the people in and this country specifically. You feel bad for you being absolutely. there and eating at, at my restaurant Good or Lord. buying something that I'm selling. Yeah, there, yeah. you got this little disgruntled face. Right. I, no, I'm you're not bad. getting. You're tip. upset that I walked in. Yeah. <laughs> you're upset that I that I that I gave you, you an opportunity to work. You know, like what? I got to turn around and get you this Big Mac and yeah. boy, uh, no, yeah, I, they made it. I just have to hand <laughs> it to you. And oh, how dare you? How yeah. dare right. you not give me twenty percent? I knew I knew there would be some fire and passion in that yeah. discussion, and yeah. that's why I brought it up. Yeah, so go. apologize for yelling in your ears the last ten minutes and talking over each other. Well, hopefully, we be more a little uh, bit more get used to it. It's gonna happen. a little you more cordial. I mean, like, it's silly, but it's a conversation that's worth Mark. having. Yeah. It is because I talk a lot on, on, with, with my people on my platform, on my Instagram, whatever, on my podcast about being a mindful consumer. Like, a lot of times, like, people don't think about where their money goes. Like, okay. the, like you know, I mean, you, you guys know, especially when yeah. you're starting to look into some of the agendas that are being pushed, cultural changes that are happening, all that stuff. Follow the money is what people will say, right? Yeah. But, like, people don't think about where they put their money, and they don't yeah. think about the the ripple effect of supporting either certain practices like yeah. that or certain companies with, with certain social agendas. And you don't know how people, like for example, there's a company that I love. I'm, I love it, okay? My whole wardrobe was this company. And then I found out that they're doing some, uh, some cultural uh, trainings within, uh, nationwide or worldwide with their employees, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it's, they're, they're pushing something on their, on their employees that I don't agree with. So I stopped buying their clothes. Mm. You see what mm. I'm saying? You wear, you wear, yeah. you wear Mickey a, Mouse shirts all the time. Him, I can't tell. Him, I can't tell them not to do it. Right. But I can. I can stop funding. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you see yeah. what I'm saying? Yes. And it's Thank like, you. but and that's just doing your research. That's exactly. Yes. And and so I think that the conversation is silly, but it, it's worth having. You know, well, that's people, that's people, people yeah. mindlessly. Press that button, yes. you know, and yeah. it's like the more you press that button, guess what? They ain't gonna take it away. Yeah, they're not gonna stop doing oh, yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And and guess what? Just make the, sure you get the, your food. The first. employees' service is not gonna improve the more that you keep on giving positive reinforcement for a, mm. a behavior that bad behavior. Yeah, I'm not good. a big fan of rewarding what's expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So no, I guess all right. Now we can good. move on. Yeah. Now we can move on. <laughs> and and to move on, Mark, we wanna we wanna talk about your story. And we want to go back to the beginning. We want to take people through because your story is incredible. Uh, we were having lunch before and kind of diving into a little bit. And we said, no, no, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Let, let's wait till we start the podcast. So we're excited to have you on, man. Thank you for flying all the way in for, from yeah. St. Louis, yeah, yeah. being here with us today. And, and it's my first time in Dallas. I like yeah, it. It's nice. Yeah. What do you think of Dallas so far? It's hot. Yeah, it ain't as hot as Missouri. 
it, believe it or not, the humidity I, I, I is crazy. Yeah. The humidity yeah, in Missouri yeah. is insane, but uh, it is it is hot. It, it's beautiful though. Like mm-hmm. the the hotel you guys put me in. You guys have my, my favorite candy in there. Aye, like aye, these guys, aye. these guys must do their research. They they dig deep because they had the. Uh, the nerd rope gummy clusters in my hotel. And I don't even like it. You guys heard me, right? <laughs> I don't eat fast food. Yep. I don't eat chain restaurants. Like I'm pretty, it's rare that I eat candy. But when I do though, those nerd rope gummy clusters, <laughs> I tell you right now, they, yeah. they hit the spot every so, time. That was so. all Darren. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Darren, Darren was out handpicking. Yeah. No, I, I do want to give a shout out. That was my yes, wife. My wife is our Go behind ahead, the scenes wait. help. Yeah. 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 So she, she, no. she dug we through your Instagram. We, uh, we do not give Whitney enough credit on the show. Like the stuff no. that she does behind the scenes. I, I appreciate you, T. Literally, like we do not give her nearly enough credit. So I know she doesn't listen to us. No, no. she doesn't. I'm going to thank, I'm gonna thank her doesn't. anyways. We're dealing with this. So maybe like, maybe some of you Lord. are connected with her on Facebook. Just yeah. shoot her a note. Just be like, hey, it was really yeah. nice. The boys yeah. really appreciate everything yeah. that you do because we Job do. With. Yeah, we she do. absolutely will not listen to this, but I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll pass along that she appreciates it. So anyway, but but yeah, you're not from Missouri. No. You're not from St. Louis. So take us back, Northeast guy. You know where you were born. Take take us back. It's funny because every time somebody asks me that question, man, it's like, you know, you want to hear my story? What do you mm. mean? Like, you know, where do I start? And. uh yeah, I'm originally from from New York, uh, upstate New York, and uh, you know, I, I struggle with this because I I can get long winded, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of de- got to go, there's man. a lot of details that are relevant, <laughs> you know. So I, I was born um, in upstate New York. I have uh, to two drug addicted parents. My, my my both my parents were addicted to uh, cocaine and alcohol, and and uh, my my father was never a part of my life. My my mother was in and out of rehab, prison, jail, you know, all mm-hmm. the things. <clears throat> and so from 15 months old, I was in and out of foster, the foster care system. Mm-hmm. So I was go to, you know, different foster homes. And, um, and then my mom would get out of rehab and I'd go back to my mom and then she'd go back to rehab or go back to jail and I'd go back to foster care. And so, you know, that was life for me, um, you know, zero through... Uh, through 11, um, I was on and off with my with my, my mom, my biological mother. Well, and it, you, you have a twin brother, brother too. Right. Yeah, so, so I'm an identical so there's twin. A, yep. There's a complexity there. Mm-hmm. there. No, there for sure is. And, and, and everywhere I went, he went for, um, you know, at least for, for most of the time. And, and that's actually a detail that I'll get to in a second. But everywhere I went, he went. We do have other siblings. We've got other brothers, sisters, mm-hmm. and, and they would go different places too. But Matt and I would always stay together. Uh, I think the court system uh generally speaking they, they thought that was best um and so fortunately we had one amazing foster parents like i mean my foster parents are like you know the best people in the world and to this day when i say my parents that's what i'm talking about mm-hmm. you know, i'm not talking about my my biological parents i'm talking about my, my my parents and uh so 15 months old we got sent to lauren dennis <clears throat> first time you know with a foster family and we never had to go with a different foster family mm-hmm. after that wow. so they were available every time um, they would take us every time. At what age was that again? At, at first time leaving my, my biological mom was 15 months old. Uh-huh. And then when we were 11, my foster parents got permanent okay. custody. Yeah, we got to put no. you on this side because no. I know you're, you're good here. No, no, no. I didn't hear Here we go. Here we go. Go ahead, and Mark. So, and, so, and so there were stints where, you know, we were homeless, living in, like, women and children's shelters. Um, there's... For anybody that's listening, that that's a that's a child of a, of an addict, right? Um, especially a single parent. My mom was always out of the house. I have a little sister. I have a twin brother, um, and and I was like a, I was like the man of the house 
mm-hmm. know, like five years old, you right. know, like, like mm-hmm. seriously. And, and I would take care of my mom. I felt responsible for her. So uh, my, my twin brother, he wasn't as close with my mom. You know, he, he was really close. He, he took immediately to Laura and Dennis, who's our mm-hmm. foster parents. Um, and so I was a mama's boy for sure. I was loyal. I didn't see it. My mom could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> perhaps like a really big moment in my life and a, and a big turning point was uh, there was a transition. So when we were um, when we were about two years old, we moved to Florida mm-hmm. and we were down there. And at 10, my brother, my twin brother, Matt, he asked uh, my mom, hey, I want to go live with Lauren Dennis. You know, can I go live mm-hmm. with Lauren? He just asked her. And my mom said, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Like, didn't care at all. Like, was ready to just give him away. Mm-hmm. Uh, sent him to New York, uh, back up to New York with uh, with Lauren Dennis. And and this is you know, sort of like, it wasn't even an option for me. It wasn't even an option. Like, I love my mom. I was super loyal. I took care of my sister, Mm. took care of my mom. At this time, my mom's clean, okay? So so she's not dealing with the nonsense anymore. Uh, But it's still less than ideal. Like, she's not a good parent. You know, she, Mm. she, there was no punishment, no discipline, no Mm. accountability. Like, we were, we were bad. Um, So my, my brother leaves. And about six months later, uh, my mom tells me like, hey, we're gonna go visit we're gonna go visit your brother, you know, um, we're gonna take a vacation. So I'm like, of course, ecstatic. This is the first time in my life that Matt and I have been separated, mm-hmm. okay? And it was, it was just for a matter of months. And she gets me together, we pack our bags, everything, we get on the flight, we fly up to New York. Um, when we land, you know, we get in a taxi or whatever and, and, and we go to this building and she says, hey, you know, we're, you know, we're gonna stop there after this. We just got, I got something I gotta take care of. So we walk into this building, big brick building. Uh, it's still there to this day. And I don't know what we're doing, but we're going through. We go through security and everything. And she brings me to this bench, and she's like, hey, sit here. I'll be right back. <clears throat> so I'm like, okay. I sit down on the bench. And long story short, the building that we were in was a family court building. Mm-hmm. And the family court was trying to decide that day which, uh, which household was, 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 was better for Matt and I to live because they didn't want us separated. They mm. said, we need to figure out where's the better home for them. Wow. And wherever the better home for them is, that's where they're, going, they're both yeah. going to live. So, <clears throat> so long story short, I mean, obviously, uh, the court decided that day that my mother was unfit to raise us and uh, that Laura and Dennis were better parents. And so my mom never came back. Like I stayed, I sat on that bench. She sat you down. Wow. I sat on that bench and my mom never came back. Mm. And, um, and next thing I know, <clears throat> Not only did she never come back, I didn't hear from her for like two years, you know, and, and, and I mean, she was my world, you know, like I'm, mm. I was a kid and, and my mom was everything, but she never came back. Next thing I know, Laura and Dennis are coming out and, and, and I'm familiar with them. They're not strangers, but they're like, hey, you're going to go with us. You know, you're going to go live with Matt. And I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, yeah. you know, no, I'm not. Where's my mom? You know, I'm not going nowhere. And and. That day was really bad for me. Like, I remember they, they carried me. Like, it took two of them, and they carried me to their car. I was kicking and screaming, and they put me in the back seat, and, and they just drove me home. And, and so the reason why I was so significant is because, um, you know, one, it was just it was super traumatizing. But I, I, from that moment on, like, my, I wouldn't accept my foster parents. You know, like, they, mm. it was almost like I was in a position where they had to try to force the acceptance. Right. And these are good people. I mean, they, they're great parents. They love me, like, like, seriously. Like, they love me as if I was their own child, like, as if they gave birth to us. Um, and they, they did have biological kids, and they, tr- they never treat us any different, but I wouldn't accept them. I would, mm. especially my foster mom, you know. And so, <clears throat> so anyway, that was, that was tough. 
I became a really angry, really violent, you know, kid. Not violent with, like, weapons and stuff like that, but I, I got in a lot of fist fights. Like, um, you know, it's just... When you say angry, were you angry at your mom? Like, do you feel like, hey, she didn't fight for me? Yeah, yeah, so... So a lot of, um, and I think a lot of people that come from these kind of circumstances could probably relate. But I, after, after that happened, I, I honestly felt like, because I've, I've obviously done a lot of work on this now, right? Like I've had to work through this mm. stuff in order mm -hmm. to get mm -hmm. over it, right? Yeah. So I honestly feel like I was in a place where, in my mind, like if your own mom would give you away, yeah. like then, then you ain't worth nothing, nothing. Right. you know? Like, mm. So I felt like... I wouldn't accept their love because they really what they really love me unconditionally, but I wouldn't even accept it. Like I wouldn't believe I refuse to believe it because even if my, if my own mom didn't even love me yeah. enough to keep me, you guys are just you guys are just faking it like my right. mom always did, you mm -hmm. know. And so uh, I felt like and, and I still to be honest, I still sometimes feel like that, like I don't deserve the love and, and the stuff mm. that I get. Um, <clears throat> so I think that that's where the yeah. anger came came from. Yeah. And so I had a lot of self-destructive tendencies. You know, I used to smoke weed, like, from a really young age. Um, I would get in a lot of fist fights and stuff like that. Um, so anyway, that was, like, childhood. And, and, and so when I moved to this, this new family permanently, okay, they had a biological son. They had one biological kid, and they had five foster kids, okay? Wow, wow. And their one biological kid, Travis, was the oldest, and... Um, and he was the one that I took to. Like, I never had a male figure in my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't struggle that much with accepting a male figure because I never had one. You know, like, right. I struggled with accepting my mom because that's like giving my, my other mom a replacement, you know, yeah. and I wasn't ready to do that. But Travis, I took to him, and we developed a, an amazing relationship. I spent every day, all day with him. I mean, I, I, I mean he, was, he was just, you know, to this day, I mean, in my mind, he's bigger than life, you mm -hmm. know, because... You know, he used to hunt. He played football. He, he, he went fishing. He, he literally one day just spurred the moment, decided that he wanted to ride a bull and went to a rodeo and, and rode a bull mm. that <laughs> night. You know, like, like this, is, this is who inspires my <laughs> philosophy on life to this day, okay? Right. So, like, I mean, he was bigger than life. And, um, <clears throat> and mind you, I went there when I was 11. We started doing better. We, we started to... to, to um, you know, just be like normal kids. We did incredible in school. We were straight A students. We were great athletes. We were really popular. Um, we actually, unfortunately, we moved to a school district where when we moved there, my brothers and I were the only black people in the whole school district. Okay, mm. mm. I mean, K through 12, the whole district. Not a school, the district. The district. And, wow. um, and so that, was, that presented its own challenges. Sure. Um, and I've learned so much from that experience. But eventually things kind of normalized and then when I was 16 years old, out of nowhere, um, my brother died. My, my big brother. He, he, he passed Travis. away. Yeah, Travis died. Mm. How old was Travis? How much uh, old was the age was, difference? He was 24, mm -hmm. and I was 16. Okay. Um, and, and it was like, it, it was crazy because in my life, my life had just been this roller coaster. It had been ups and downs, mostly downs. And then, you know, the transition from my mom to my foster parents was very negative. And then it seemed like it was like a steady incline from there. And that life was normalizing. Mm -hmm. And it, things were going to be okay. And then this, 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 this just happens, right? And, and it just completely sent um, my, my twin brother and I both, you mm -hmm. know, right? And, and my, other, my other siblings, like my foster sibling, all of us, you know, really just lost it. My parents, uh, as you can imagine, they have all these foster kids and they lose their only right. biological right. son. Like it was, mm -hmm. it was bad. Um, and so almost immediately I left their house at 16 um, and I just became like super depressed Super 
self-destructive. I was smoking more weed than ever. You know, mm. I was a great student. Dude, I, I was a basketball player. I was being recruited by D1, D2 schools as a sophomore. Mm. I, I got an opportunity to play on the 16 and under USA team, mm. you know, for basketball. I, shortly after my brother died, I, um, we were playing my rival, my, our rival school, and um, I, I got pissed off at my coach. I literally quit at halftime of the game. Wow. Never mm. played again. Never, mm. never played. I mean, it, it just, I just threw away my whole, my whole future, everything I'd worked towards mm-hmm. for the previous several years, you know, earning an opportunity to go to college and get a scholarship mm-hmm. and do good in school and all those things. I threw it all away at halftime of a game because I didn't like something my coach did, right? Mm. It was just, I was struggling in that way where I just didn't care about anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, I ended up, um, I ended up starting to sell weed, you know, to my friends because I'm 16 years old. I'm trying to pay rent. I'm, you know, I can't go to school and go to work at the same time, um, or at least I told myself I couldn't. Because uh, weed was easier, to be honest. And so, you know, that's kind of where I was at. I, I refused to drop out. I didn't want to, I wanted to graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so luckily, I had already been acceler- in accelerated courses and everything. Um, mm-hmm. I was taking all AP classes already, already getting college credits. So they told me like, hey, if you just finish out this year, we'll let you graduate a year early. Mm-hmm. So, um, that is what I did. I ended up, you know, selling weed on the side to, you know, pay bills and, and live, um, graduated from school. And then once I graduated, though, and I didn't have anything to do, right. um, my life just sort of unraveled really, really quickly. But, I was just say, before we get into that, what's Matt doing this whole time while you're dropped so out? And, or not dropped out, but you're out of the house. Um, Matt was really struggling. You know, I don't... Um, I don't go too in depth into his story because his story is his story. Mm-hmm. And I know we both experienced a lot of trauma. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I try to be respectful of anybody that's gone through bad things like that because their story is their story. Right. You sure. know? right. And, and they mm-hmm. experienced it. You mm-hmm. know? So, but my brother, long story short, he got really bad into drugs. So mm-hmm. he wasn't business. He wasn't, you know, I did a lot of things that I thought could have been potentially productive. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt was just completely self-destruction. You know? mm-hmm. And he got into some drugs that I've never explored. I've never gotten into some harder drugs. And it just, it got, he got so deep that it was very difficult for him to get out of that. And gotcha. he eventually ended up in prison. And that's eventually where we both ended up. Mm. Uh, what, what was your? So my, my, my question going back was, you know, you said you were selling drugs on the side, right? Did, mm-hmm. did, were you in an apartment paying for your own apartment? Yeah. So, uh, so when I was 16, I left my parents' house. Um, and my parents are, they're, they're, they're awesome, man. So, mm. so as soon as we turned 15 in New York, 15, that's when you can get a permit, get a, get a permit oh. and start driving your own vehicle mm. and stuff like that. So as soon as we turn fit and you can start working, mm. as soon as we turn 15, the rule was you pay for everything except for your school clothes mm. and, and you're going to get a job. And if you want a car, you're going to have to pay your own insurance and you're going to mm. buy your own car. Great so great. I, I mean, you that. want a cell phone, yeah. you need to pay for your that. own stuff. But it was a double edged sword because when, when I would do something they didn't like, you want to take away my car? You can't take my car. I pay for my car. Yeah, for <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a that's double-edged a good sword. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so that's, but I was in a good spot just because that's what they taught me. Mm-hmm. You know, you take care of your own stuff. So when I left the house, Matt was homeless. He was sleeping on friends, you know, couches and stuff like that. Um, but I actually had some connections just because of what I did on the side. And, um, and I knew a guy that, you know, I sold weed to a guy that owned a couple apartment buildings. So I said, mm-hmm. hey, man, if I just pay you up front in cash, Will you let me? Will you let me do this? Because obviously mm. you can't sign a lease when you're 16 years old. Right. Um, and he did, so I, I would just pay cash for the apartment. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's essentially how I supported mm. myself. I, I paid my my I had to pay my phone bill. I had to pay my car insurance. I had to pay for my car. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's wild. 
But but the crazy part is too, like back then, man, everybody looked not everybody, but like my parents, my mom. My mom treated me like I was like this drug lord, you know, and it's like, I swear I never touched nothing but weed. Right. And and now I live in a world where like weed is okay. Yes. Like it's yeah. a so thing. normalized. And you yeah. understand, like I, I yeah. struggle so much yeah. with this. Like I walk into yeah. a dispensary, because I have, I've in Vegas and whatever. Yeah. I, I've walked into these places. And they're like legit, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, man, I could have did this ten years ago. <laughs> I, done this earlier. I literally could have done this. This you was know? me ten years exactly. ago. Exactly, and it's I'm you know, it's my so, clients it's so, their insurance. It's so <laughs> funny, like yeah. you know, I went to jail, you know, and yeah. it's it, it's just crazy to wrap your mind around. There's certain things, and we'll, I'm sure we'll brush up on them, but there's certain parts of my story where I I've had to take certain things and just bury them because it's not worth it. Like if I get hung up on it, it, it will drive me crazy. Mm. Like, like how did I, how do I go to prison for doing something that now is okay? And let's talk yeah. about that. How yeah. did you, I mean, yeah. let's talk about how, how you went through that situation. So you're out of high school now, mm -hmm. right? You graduated in three and a half years, three years mm -hmm. or whatnot? Three years, yeah. Three years, so now you're out of high school. You're just selling drugs on your own. Yes. Tell us how you got caught up. Oh, man. How I got caught up was, was stupid. So, so it's worth noting that eventually I progressed from, from just weed, okay? When I was in high school, I just sold weed. You always do. You might, matter of fact, you know what I would have said to you? What? If you didn't progress, I would have said, man, you're a terrible business. Terrible businessman. <laughs> what do you mean? Right. Did you see the opportunity what, in these what, other what, categories? What are you yeah. promoting, yeah. Darren? No, yeah. I'm just saying. Hey, an entrepreneur spirit. That's like, just hey, business. You got to get know? bigger. Yes. The business got to grow, right? And so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, for real. We're helping all entrepreneurs you know, out here. <laughs> It's so funny. And when you can grow the categories without growing the, the number of clients, it's like, <laughs> why not? You know? <laughs> you know? Zero bucks on business development. <laughs> so, Just more, more products. And, uh, and I actually saw, I think I saw somebody on Instagram or TikTok, somebody big, like Elon Musk or somebody, and they were talking about, you know, how like drug, you know, your average street drug dealer, they actually, I mean, sharp, oh, dude. they actually are sharp, oh, you know, they because, sharp, you know, there's yes. a lot to it where yes. you're, you're trying lot. to sell, you're trying to market a product that you can't market. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you're yeah. Trying, yeah. how do you do it? You yeah. know, it's just, it's, it, it was a really good learning process, but which don't, it wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. Kids, kids, don't listen to this. Hey, let's exhaust all of the resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of the resources. Darren mentors once in a while. You know, so you're saying start with crack cocaine? No, no, no. Okay, okay. Go twenty five lighters a month. But I. But they wouldn't know what that is. I did. I did start with weed. And 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 yeah, I mean, so so the unraveling was. You know, my, my brother was big into my, my, my brother that died. He was he was big into um, like the Grateful Dead and mm. like, you know, Pink Floyd and, and sort of that hippie, yeah. you know, 70s. Yeah, yeah that, that, that yeah. era. He yeah. was really into it. I mean, he would sit around with his bongo drums and like, you know, I mean, he had he was white and he had dreadlocks, you know, mm. with like the beads. <laughs> in it. Like, OK, so he was like the poster boy for that stuff. And um and so when he when he died, like I, I got into it, you know, mm -hmm. I started getting into, you know, all, all of that stuff, the jam bands, the fish, the, you know, mm -hmm. the Dave Matthews band, Dead, yeah. Dead Grateful Dead, all that yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, and and with that scene, OK, psychedelics are, are really big in that scene, you know, mushrooms, acid, all that stuff. And and so that's where I progressed was I started getting into that scene. I kept I kept doing what I was doing, but I started like going to music shows and I started uh just, just, just sort of building my network in that in that community, and um, and yeah, just demand grew for other things, mm -hmm. and, I, and I was very resourceful. You said earlier you you didn't try many other drugs, or but were you doing like 
Were you doing any I, of I these harder did. drugs? No, yeah. no, no. I absolutely did. So I've never done um, any of those drugs that people typically think about as street drugs. Like sure. I've never done crack, cocaine. Mm. I've never done heroin or pills or you know prescriptions. I, I, to me, there, there's there's never been a draw mm. or an appeal to that at all. Um, but I, I love like okay, when I was in school, my favorite uh, the favorite course I ever took was philosophy. Mm-hmm. I had to take an advanced class. It was philosophy. I love psychology. Um, my One of my girlfriends, uh, I saw her through her undergrad uh, philosophy course, and then I also th- saw her through her master's program of mental health counseling. And the whole time, uh, half of that time, I was in prison. So the whole time, I would do her stuff with her just so that I could talk to her about like mm. the stuff that she was learning. Right. But I, I, I was interested in it too, mm-hmm. but I wanted to be able to meet her where she was at. And so like, I'm very well versed in psychology. I'm very well versed in philosophy and I just, I'm fascinated by it. And yes. so, so psychedelics yes. is fascinating yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Like it, it yeah. really is, especially it's funny. Cause this is one of those things where, um, where now psychedelics like microdosing with psilocybin or microdosing it's with popular, LSD, yeah. it's a thing. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. now Silicon Valley, you know, now in Silicon Valley, all these people that yeah. the Apple and Google want to do it, it's right. okay, right. you know. Right. But mm-hmm. that's what I went to prison for. So um, I never got in trouble. Um, ne- ne- never, never got in trouble with the law at all. Uh, um, and then one day, um, r- really, it's just crazy, but. Uh, I was driving back from New York City. I used to drive a lot from New York City to like Albany area, so the capital. And um, this is a straight shot up and down the highway. I made it all the way back home, and I had I just had a, a, an assortment of things on me. I had um, ketamine, uh, MDMA, acid, ecstasy pills, hash oil. I mean, just a, a, an assortment of things that I had gotten down in the city. And uh, and we just got pulled over. We just got pulled. This is a crazy random, just a, a random pullover. Uh, no, my the, the driver was speeding. So mm-hmm. so this is this is this is a part. This is one of those things I had to let go. So I, we get pulled over in a vehicle. I'm in the passenger seat. Drugs are in a neutral space. Um, driver is a white kid. Okay, the car is in his name, his vehicle. Okay, and we get pulled over. I don't say the drugs are mine, but I also don't say they're his. I, just, I, I don't know anything about the drugs, okay? Same thing, I assume, same thing on his, on his end, okay? In that situation, at least in New York State, I don't know about other places, but in that situation, the driver gets the drugs. Mm-hmm. It's your car, yeah, your drugs. Responsibility. Okay? Right. He got six months probation. I got four years in prison. No, no way. And, and I don't know, he never, I didn't go to, I didn't go to trial. I didn't, nothing. I didn't, I could have probably went to trial, uh, but I was young. I was stupid. I didn't, I, I didn't know what to do. So you took a plea deal? And I was afraid. And I took a plea, be, a plea deal, and he got six months, and I got four years. Oh, shit. No. It's, one, it's one of those things that I had to let go because wow. I could bark up that tree my whole life. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, and, mm-hmm. and I. And you'd have every right to. And I've, dude, I've, I don't know if I've, I may have only shared that publicly one time ever. Like, it, to me, it's irrelevant. Like, I had to do what I had to do. Like, it, his story is different than my story. I had to mm. go through what I had to, mm. like, I just, I just take it on the chin and keep moving. But like, there's aspects Gosh. of it that 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 have been very difficult for me yeah. to to let yeah, go. Yeah, like you said, you have you've had to bury things. You you bury. I that. bury it. Yeah. I bury it because because what am I gonna do? I, I I could die on that hill. You know, mm. I really could. Hundred percent. Right. You know, and then there's there's another there's another hill that I could die on. How about this? I was in I was in prison for drug possession, even though I've sold drugs. You know, but I never got caught. I never had a trafficking or sale or nothing. Drug possession. Okay. And I saw people come in prison and leave that were in there for rape, child molestation, you know, uh, sex crimes. I saw them come in and leave. And, and I'm still sitting there. And I had drug possession. 
you know mm. there's certain hills that yeah that i've had to, i've had i really struggle with mm. you know but but anyway so that that's my story we got pulled over i i ended up um you know i, en- I ended up in, pr- in jail i bailed myself out and at that moment man i told it was funny i told the officer that arrested me you know i said uh I basically told him to the effect that, like, hey, I ain't walking back into court. Like, mm. you guys let me bail out. Like, you're going to have to come find me because right. I know I'm going to jail. Right. I know yeah. I'm going to jail. So mm. I'm not I'm not just coming back. And mm. and it's funny because I so what I did was I went back down to Florida. I bailed out, went went back down to Florida, which technically that means I went on the run. And um, and I'm down there. And when they finally they come down, you know, U.S. Marshals come get you and they bring you back and. Uh, and when I went back and I went and I got arraigned, it was the same officer. And he said, wow. you know what? I could at least vouch for your honesty, man. I could uh, at least vouch for wow. it. You didn't tell me. <laughs> it, was, it was a funny moment, you know. And, but long story short, um, you know, I got sentenced to uh, four years in prison. Um, and uh, even that, that's excessive, you know, for a drug possession. Yeah. The reason why I got so much time is because one of the psychedelics that I had um, is is a is a schedule one drug so it's 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 in the same category as like heroin or you know mm-hmm. methamphetamine or something like that it's not the same kind of drug but it's in the same category and so under the law they treat was that it under the New York law or was that that national um that's federally that's federal. yeah okay. they, they they classify substances okay. and then everybody just abides by that and so um so yeah I mean I had enough for where my drug possession was a class A felony. Like the same as murder, mm-hmm. same as murder is a class A felony. My drug possession was a class A felony. Oh, that's amazing. And um, and and it's my first time ever being arrested, first time in trouble, and and they just they just taught me a lesson, you know. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, what, what's going through your mind when you when you get the four year sentence and and you know you're going? What's, Honestly, what's going your mind? Um, you know, I was in a I was in a I was in a space, man, where I I didn't even want to live. Like mm. that's the truth. Mm. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't want to live. I just didn't have the courage to kill myself. Like that that's why I was so reckless with the with the drugs and with the I'm not stupid. Like mm-hmm. I'm you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world either, but I'm not stupid. I knew what I was doing and it's um and I knew that that does that, that path it doesn't it doesn't go forever, you know. Mm-hmm. I know that there's a there's a dead end somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for the dead end, you know, and 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 I was reckless even with my drug use. Like I said I I never used anything that could kill me. Mm-hmm. But I, I I did. I was just reckless with it, you know. I I liked psychedelics because I lived in a different world. Yeah. Like it, that's that's how right. they work, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, and so when I finally got caught, man, it, it didn't bother me at all. Like mm-hmm. it, it was just the next thing. It was just like I I was pretty much dealing with life at that point rather than living life, you know. And wow. and so if I could deal with the pain and the and the and the, and the you know the mourning my brother and then not only that but at this time matt was already in jail so mm. my my big brother dies you know then my twin brother gets sentenced to 10 years in prison uh at 18 years old when you're 18 years old 10 years sounds like life mm. yeah. so yeah. so i just lost my big brother i just lost my little brother i haven't spoke to my parents in two years because we're fighting over the fact that i smoke weed mm. you know and so i got nobody i got mm. nobody my you know I was lonely and Did anyone and show up at your arraignment? Nobody. Nobody. Not a single person. So, uh, uh yeah, no. I don't even think my parents went. I don't even think so my you parents. get booked. Tell us what the first week is like. So man, you know, county jail is 
I hate to make it sound like it's a, it, you know, it ain't, yeah. it ain't, it ain't, it ain't it, it's just bad because it's your first time. You've never been in that environment. Right. Uh, but once you go, once you progress and you go to state prison, you look back and you're like, man, that wasn't nothing. But <laughs> the first, the first week is, it's just devastating. It's, it's lonely. Mm -hmm. You know, it's lonely. I, there's this interesting thing that happens. And actually for me, it's more pronounced in prison when you're in prison, not county, and you go to solitary confinement. Mm. But it happens in county too, so I'll, I'll, I'll dive into it. But when you first get locked up, um, and again, for me, it was the box. But when I first went to the box, you know, your first week or your first, there's a period of time where um, they don't give you any property. Like mm -hmm. you, you kind of got to like... I don't know. It's almost like if, if you're drunk and you get arrested, they put you in a room where you can't hurt yourself, can't mm -hmm. hurt anybody else, and they wait till you're sober, right? So, right. so you got nothing. You don't even, I don't even think you, you have any clothes on. They put like, a, you know, like a, a, an apron on you or something like that, right? So, <clears throat> so you're in this room, this cement room with a metal bed, you know, a metal sink. Everything is it's all one piece. There's no individual objects in here. And it's the first time in your entire life that you don't have anything to distract you. Like, like we as human beings... We love to conveniently distract ourselves 24 hours Correct. a day, okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. For real. Like, mm -hmm. like, you think about it. You wake up, the mm -hmm. first thing you do is look at your phone, look mm -hmm. at your watch, look, you know, shut the alarm clock off, turn the TV on, whatever. whatever. But, but we don't like to just sit and be alone with our thoughts, and it's because it's, it's, it's almost unbearable. Like, if you've never done it before, mm -hmm. it is, and especially if you got demons. Like, right. if you got demons, it... it Dude, it's unbearable. Like, I've seen people lose their mind. Like one of the rules in there, when you're in that portion of 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 the of the period, one of the rules is no talking. It's a mm -hmm. quiet it's a quiet um, tier, and if you talk, a lot of times the COs they'll they'll skip you your cell on the next meal. So now mm -hmm. you don't eat. You mm -hmm. talk, they catch you talking. What are you gonna do to me? I'm in solitary confinement. I'm the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. So you can't like put me in a different solitary confinement. Right. So the only punishment that they can give you. The only thing you look forward to in the box is your meals, you know? So they'll just walk past your cell when it's mealtime and they say, hey, next time keep your mouth shut. So I've saw guys, that, that loneliness is so unbearable that guys would, would, would talk and just, and just forego the meals. Wow. Like that's how it's- They needed, they needed they the needed interaction. It. They yeah. needed, they needed to talk More than to food. Somebody. More than food. Yeah. Because, because the alternative is to sit there and face the music. And it's, dude, that, that's what breaks people. And, 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 and I know every time I go through this, there's people that will give me feedback. In this, and, and, and there are these well-meaning people that say that's inhumane. It's blah, blah, blah. It is. People literally lose their mind in the box. It is inhumane. But, but it can't be any other way. You're talking right. about the worst of the worst. Mm. You know, I went to prison. And I'm in there with rapists and murderers and, and drug dealers and all these things. And I was... I was of the worst of the, the people worst. in there. That's why I went to the box. So like, what, mm. so, so what are we talking about? You're talking about inhumane. These people mm. are inhumane, right. you know? Mm. So, so I, I, don't, I don't say that to say that those people need sympathy. Mm. In fact, there, there's that, that pivotal moment in there where that either breaks you or it makes you, you know? Mm. And I think that there's certain things in life or there's certain times, certain scenarios where only something that could potentially break you has the power to make you, right. you know, mm. like you can't just go through average shit and mm. think that it's going to build you up. Right. No, you need to go through some shit. And in order to become unbreakable, I think you need to be broken. Right. I really do. Mm. I think you need to be right. broken. I think that's mm. the only way you become unbreakable. And so that broke me like like the solitary confinement it wasn't my first week. But but eventually 
when I when I faced the music and I and I was long because because in the beginning I was the guy that wouldn't eat. Fuck you, I'll talk anyway. Right. You know, right. <laughs> for real, for real. But when I was ready to face the music and I did and I forced myself to do it, um, it broke me, man. It it, it broke me. Like I, I had nights. I can remember a night in prison where I sat up, I sat up all night, and I decided I just decided to write a, a letter to my brother. Mm. You know where and this is. You know, earlier I said I worked through some of this shit, right? So whatever, whatever inspired me to do it, I decided to write a letter to my brother as if I had one more chance to have a conversation with him, okay? Mm. So I write this letter to my brother, boom, writing, writing, I'm up until like 2, 3 in the morning. Your older brother. Your older talk, brother. Your brother yeah. that passed. Your brother uh, that passed. Yeah, right. because that's the biggest demon for me. Yeah. It, it, it's just hard, man. Right. You, how do you understand how somebody dies at 24? I believe in God, mm. you know, like how... It's yeah. just hard to wrap your mind around mm -hmm. it. You know, you just want to know. I have a great relationship with God, and I just want to know. You never have mm -hmm. any answer, you know. So, um, so I did. I mean, that's the thing that I would struggle with a lot, and and it and it led me to a place where, like, fuck it. If he's not here, I don't want to be here neither. You know, mm -hmm. like that. That's where I was at earlier on, and um, and I stayed up one night, and I and I wrote a letter to him, and I was just crying. I mean, like ugly cry. You know, till like two, three in the morning. And I woke up the next day and I felt like a totally new person. Mm. I, felt, I felt like a totally different person. But it was, it was just facing the music, you know? It was just, that's what I had been running from right. for mm. six, seven years. You know, that, right. that's what I was running from. Yeah, that's the reason why you're there. That's it, yeah. exactly. Mm. And, um, and then I had another, another moment in the box where you say that's the reason why you were there. You know, I had, and I've said this a lot, and so people who, who follow me closely, they, they've heard this and, they, and, and it resonates with them because they always, people will send me this quote, but I remember a conversation I had with myself in the box where um, this was a turning point for me, okay? So I got, arrest, I, I got uh, caught with drugs in prison, okay? So I skipped that part. But I would go to prison for drugs, and then I ended up taking over the whole prison. I was the guy. I, mm. I, I ran all the gambling and all the drugs in prison. And, and a lot of times it's very difficult to do that because prisons are run by gangs mm -hmm. and I am very anti-gang. I, mm -hmm. I didn't get along with those guys. I don't like that group herd, you know, mob mentality. I don't like, I don't like that shit. I'm from the country. Mm -hmm. And when you live in the country, <laughs> right. you fight one-on-one, -on -one. you don't need no weapons or none of that. You fight with your hands yeah. and afterwards you shake their hand. That's, right. that's where I come from. Mm -hmm. And um, they don't operate that way. You know, like a lot of the New York City guys are just, they yeah. just don't. Yeah. So, so it was really, that's where a lot of the, I got in so much trouble in prison because I'm the guy, they want to leverage me. They mm -hmm. want to either extort me or, or be friends with me, one of mm -hmm. the two, and I don't want either one. Um, and so I got caught with, with drugs about three years into my, my bid, and, um, and this doesn't always happen, but for me it did. What happened is I'm in the box, okay, and the fucking guard comes to my cell, and he's like, hey, Joe, get ready, you're going for a trip. So I'm like, going for a trip. When you're in the box, they don't take you anywhere unless you need right. to go to the hospital. Okay? Right. So I'm like, going for a trip. Where am I going for a trip? You know, and all he said to me was, don't worry, it's going to be all right. And, I, and like instantly, I just started shaking. Like I'm, mm. like, I'm like, hmm, that's an odd thing for them to say. And, and I'm like, what do you mean it's going to be all right? Where am I going? I'm shaking. Like they, so he opens up the cell. You know, you got to put your back to the door. They'll slide the door open. You step back, step to the side, hands on the wall. They'll put your hands behind your back, put, uh, well, actually today it was in the front. So they put the, the cuffs on the front, then they put the cuffs on your, or the chains on your ankles, 
um, and you can just hear the chains. Right. I'm shaking. Mm. What do you mean? Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? They, they put me in a van and bring me to the local state troopers barracks and they rearrested me, fingerprinted me, rearrested me for possession of, of prison contraband in prison. So what, what came of that is I got an additional one and a half years tacked mm. on to my sentence. So I went to prison with four years and ended up doing five and a half. So you're in the middle of you're in a three year you're at that three year point. I was four less year than bid. a year away from going home. And <laughs> okay, so no, no, no. This is part of the story because I'm in the. So I come back, and I'm thinking exactly what you're. How the fuck am I going to tell my yes. parents? How the fuck am yeah. I going to tell my girlfriend? I had a girlfriend that did every day of that with me. I mean, mm. she was. She, she never missed a visit, was there every weekend, would support, wow. answer the phone. I had a woman that stood by my side that whole time. And, uh, and I'm less than a year away from going home, mm. and now I just got an additional one and a half years. You guys, they think I'm coming home in a matter of months, and now I got to tell them. And I was, so I'm pacing. This, is my, this was the turning point in my life. Like, because people, they see who I am today. They hear who I am today. They see what I've done. They see what I've built, whatever. And they think that, and they hear the story. Right? So they're like, oh, when he went to prison, it must have changed him. Right. Prison didn't change. I was worse mm, at first. Yeah. I got progressively worse every day of those first three years. I was mm. bad. I was a mm. bad man. You know? And the only thing I never got into was like hurting people. Like, I don't, mm. you know, but, I, but I still was breaking all the rules. You couldn't tell me nothing. And, um, and, and so I, this happens. I come back to my cell that day, and I'm pacing in my cell. And all I was trying to think about was like, what was I going to tell my parents? Like, and, I, and, and it wasn't how was I going to tell them. It was what was I going to tell them. Because I was trying to think of a story. Mm. Like I was going to lie. Mm. I was going to tell them it wasn't my drugs. Right. It was somebody else's. The guards planted on me. The, mm. the, 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 the inmates set me up. Whatever. I was trying to think of a story. And then I had this moment of clarity um, where I just said, no, Mark. Like, you know, you're not a kid anymore. You're not, a, you're not a kid anymore. Like, you don't make mistakes. You make decisions, mm. you know? And, and all your decisions have foreseeable consequences. Like, mm. you know right. going into these things that there's a potential that it doesn't work out, mm. you know? And so if you want to be a man, if you want to be an adult, you want to operate as an individual, mm. right? Then, then you need to be, you, don't, you can't just take ownership of your decisions when they work out. That's right. You got to yeah. be willing to take ownership of them no yeah. matter what yeah. happens, yeah. Yeah. okay? So yeah. that day... I didn't decide that I was going to change my life. I never decided that. Um, all I decided was that I was going to stop lying. That's the only decision mm. that I made. And it changed my whole life. It changed my whole life. Because wow. from that point forward, when something would I'd have opportunities all day, every day. At that point, I was the man, you know? And, and, I, would, and I would go to do something just because it was easy. I could put this together. This is nothing. And, and I would think, man, am I going to want to own this? You know, mm. Am I going to want to own it? And, and, and it would deter me. Mm -hmm. It would deter me from doing the things that I had done before because there was a chance that it didn't work out, and I didn't want to own that. I didn't mm -hmm. want to have to tell my parents again. Yeah. You know, that, that's an interesting way to phrase it. I, I didn't change my life, but I just decided I wasn't going to lie anymore. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting way to phrase it because if you think about it, that's brilliant. Like, take fitness, for instance. I'm going to lose 100 pounds. If you don't lie to yourself, you find a way to make yourself lose that 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. You can take that over any, in business. I'm going to make this number of, of sales. Mm -hmm. If you're not lying to yourself, you're going to accomplish that. So to your point, that one phrase doesn't seem like it could be connected, but that's brilliant. When you don't lie, this is what I discovered. 
I wish I could. I wish I could take credit for the foresight, but I I couldn't. Okay, <laughs> I just didn't want to lie anymore. <laughs> but but what I discovered is that when you don't lie to anybody else or to yourself, uh, okay, and, and I was serious. Like I don't lie. Like even when I would get in trouble in there, mm-hmm. I would just tell the officers, "Yeah, I fucking did it." Like you know, mm. I did, yeah, it was me. You know, like I, I mean. That, that's the extent to, to which I took it. You know, like there was no mm. boundaries. There was no mm. parameters. I'm going to be honest. If you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you the truth. Right. And, um, you know, you, it changed my life and it changed me because, especially with respect to yourself, when yeah. you don't lie to yourself anymore, mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. you do? You build, a, you build some, some rep, a reputation with yourself. You build right. some trust with right. yourself. And, and I saw somebody on the Internet talking just recently about uh, confidence. You know, confidence is just you have a good reputation with yourself. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like you know that you, you know can yourself. depend on you. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that's it. If I say I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Like that's that's confidence. Yeah. That's yes. self worth. That's yeah. self esteem. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I gradually built into this person that like I don't need validation. I don't need friends. I don't need like I I dug man. I did the work. Like and mm. this is something that bothers me about people in society in general is I think that we, 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 we live on autopilot and there's that, um, like there, there's a conversation that needs to be had about certain communities and stuff like the culture, the cultural pressure is so strong. Social pressure is really strong and, and we are, are much more easily influenced than we like to admit that we are mm-hmm. as humans. Oh, yeah. Right. And so I think that for the most part, we're so quick to adopt the values and the morals, the, the systems, that are socially acceptable around us, that we become products of our environment. But the work that I actually had to do in there was I had to actually analyze, especially when I wanted to start being this new person, right? I had to analyze every single value, mm-hmm. you know, every belief, every, you know, about right and wrong. And I had to ask myself, is this something that I do because everybody else does it because mm-hmm. it's a societal norm? Uh, or is this something that I do or believe because it's, it's in line with who I want to be, right. you yeah. know, like, mm-hmm. and I became obsessed with this question. Um, and, and this is, this is really how I, I, I changed my life. I became obsessed with this question of what does the absolute best version of me look like? Mm. You know, like what, what does that guy talk like? You know, how does he dress? What does he eat? Um, what does he do in his spare time? What are his hobbies, interests, passions? What does he do for work? I, I was so deep. I mean, I probably spent six months journaling about the same question like for mm-hmm. real while yeah. you're still in prison yes and this this is me changing right this i was is gonna the, say this is like the process that and that started with you deciding not to lie with yourself that was the, exactly that was the turning point I, i'm huh. not i'm done lying so then what happened and i guess i gotta slow down because what happened when i when i'm done lying is i started avoiding those other behaviors but when you start changing and and in prison i don't want to my own horn but like that is the hardest place to change. Oh damn! Yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> a ton of influences yeah. in there. Yeah, because now because yeah. there is nothing but negative energy, negative mm-hmm. environments. Um, it is it's the upside down world. Like it's mm-hmm. cool to be violent. It's cool to be a thief, to be a liar. Like that's what gets you respected, right? right? So mm-hmm. like it's the opposite. The moral and value system is completely upside down of society and. And, and so that's why a lot of pe- guys go to prison and get worse. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's exactly why. Right. It's like, it's like yeah. college. They call it institutionalized. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They get worse. And, and right, back know? in there and over and, the cycle. And so what happened is you, when you try to change, when you try to make a drastic change, it, even if you're talking weight loss, because like mm-hmm. I, a lot of people hear my story and they're like, oh, well, that's different. No, it's all, it's all the same. Okay. But it, when you try to make a drastic lifestyle change, you go through this period 
of what I call social isolation where your old friends are not your friends anymore. Like, that's mm -hmm. what happened to me. Now, I don't want to sell drugs. I don't want to manage the books anymore. So guess what? All these guys that are all the, all the gangsters, all the fucking cool guys, they're, they're looking at me like I'm a nerd now. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, now he wants right. to be a good dude. Right. He wants to change his life. Yeah. Like, I'm getting made fun of. People are trying mm -hmm. me every day. You See, know? You, you wonder why, as a society, we create our identity around what we do because mm -hmm. that's our community. That's well, where our affirmation comes from. Th think about weight loss. Yeah. You, you want to start eating better, right? Yeah. All your friends are whatever. They're partying. They, yeah. eat, they eat mindlessly, whatever. Yeah. You want to try to start eating better. What happens when you sit down at that table and you say, you know what? Dude, I'm, I'm just going to get a salad, dressing on the side, uh, chicken on top, please. They're like, oh, Ooh, yeah. now, now you want a diet, right? <laughs> now you want a diet, right? So it's the same, but yeah. it's it's it's... It's emphasized in there, yeah. right? It's magnified, right? Well, and, and, and tangent here, and we'll talk about this later in your story, but like go through 75 hard. Exactly. And see how, how your friends are when you <laughs> stop drinking. Literally, it's crazy because like really good friends, really, really good friends. Never like, see them, never talk hey, to them. And they look at you like, is everything okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why are you not having a drink? Yeah. You, did you did yeah. go too far? Yeah. Have you been, been doing it too much? It but, what people, but what people don't realize is that that's so, that's toxic. Right. It's it, it, it inhibits growth. You know, right. it really does. It, they, they want you to be the same person, want, version of you yeah. that you've always, always been. No, 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 no. Yeah. But they, yes. what they want, though, is they want you down to their level. Well, because if you're trying to progress, and whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, you're trying to be healthy, you're, you're trying to be good. Yeah. Now I'm going to take some shots. 100%. What did, uh, oh, a foot Tyler back. What did, like, what's his name say uh, from, uh, from uh, tall poppy syndrome? What, what? That's it. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, it's yeah. tall poppy syndrome. As right. soon as the tall poppy grows, yep. chop, yeah. chop, chop it down. It down. Yeah. But misery loves company. There's a lot of different sayings around yeah. that same concept. Yeah. But, but that's it. But that's it, prison. It, well, it's everything. It's yeah. everything. When you, whenever you're trying to make a major change, the people who know you as the version of you that you've always been, they expect you to keep showing up like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And when you stop showing up like that, mm -hmm. okay, you, you, you don't meet their expectations and there's a problem, right. especially if they're not right. the kind of people that like to evolve. Right. They've gotten to a point where like we, we, we tell ourselves this story, like when you become, you go through, you're adolescent, teenager, you're an adult. Okay, when you're an adult, you get a job, you, make, you get a family and you stop evolving, mm -hmm. right? It's just adult is the last step. Yeah. No, 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 it's not it's the last step, right? Yeah. So when you're, an evolving person and you're, and you're trying to grow, um, you make them uncomfortable. You make mm. them uncomfortable. You remind them of their own shortcomings or whatever, but in prison, okay, that, that period of social isolation, I, I truly believe that's the reason why most people never grow, never, never complete a, a, a lifestyle transformation. I truly, because it's so lonely. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it, it, it's so lonely. And what you, when, when, when you hear psychologists or whatever talk about, like, basic human needs, like, they need to feel a part of a clan right. or a community mm -hmm. or, a, or, a, or a group. So that, that period is where your old friends, they're not your friends anymore because you don't, you're not the same person. And they don't, they don't accept the new version of mm -hmm. you. They want the old version. So I'm not selling drugs anymore. I'm not gambling anymore. These people don't think I'm cool anymore. The new friends, though, they haven't adopted you yet. You know, so you're mm. you're in this middle ground mm -hmm. right. where they don't trust you because these guys they view me as one they, of them. They've seen you as one of them. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. And 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 these guys are like, man, fuck that guy. You know, he's mm. he he changed up on us. Right. Okay. So I'm I'm in the middle, and and it just gave me. I was convicted, man. I, I I didn't I didn't care. I didn't care, and it gave me. It made me so strong. It made me so every day. I wanted to. The, the temptation to go back to your old friend group 
is so strong. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's that's why that's why most people never make it. Mm-hmm. Because in the middle ground, you're you're lonely and then there's always a friend that's like, hey man, you you know, hey Tyler, you wanna come out and, and have a drink with us? And, and and you're just you're lonely. Right. You know yeah. what? Yeah. yeah I, I, the companionship. I'll come by, yeah. I'll yeah. come by and you have that drink, and yeah. you know what? Everything's cool now because mm-hmm. you had that, that drink. drink. Yeah. Just because you did. Mm-hmm. And so I refused though. I was convicted. And what I did was I would sit in my cell all day long. And it, it's crazy. I, I've described it like this, and it's a, it's a true comparison. But like I was essentially like a monk living in a fucking cave for like the last two years mm. of, my, of my bed. Like for real. I, I never left my cell. I didn't make any friends. Um, and I would just spend all day, every day, reading, writing, journaling. Like I had mm. to find other things to do. Like there, there's a TV room where most people, it's a rec room where most people just hang out there all day. I wasn't welcome there. You know, like, mm. I, like, like I would go out, I could go out there, but chances are I, I'd get into an altercation, I'd get into a problem. You know, somebody would poke fun at me and, and in prison you can't let people do stuff mm. like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Somebody mm. does something, you got to do something back, back or, else right. or else you're not. And, and that happened many times too. But I got to a point where I said, okay, cool. I'm not going to put myself in that position anymore. I'm not going to give them an opportunity to start something because I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to start. I don't want to be in here forever. So I'd stay there. And, and that's where it led was all these, these conversations I needed to have with myself. Who do I want to be? What do, I, what, what do I think is right and wrong? What do I value? You know, it got so serious. And, and dude, I, I dove so, so deep into it. I eventually, this is crazy, but I eventually, in prison, if you want to get your good time, if you want to go home early, you got to do certain, like, you got to jump through certain hoops. Mm-hmm. And they got, like, programs in there. If you're in there for drugs, you got to do a drug program. Mm-hmm. If you're in there for violence, you got to do a violence program. And it got to the point where I felt so in tune and, and, and I felt like I sort of discovered a lot of things about myself and, and, and why I ended up where I was and, and how to prevent it. I even, I feel really strongly about helping like the, the lower income black community, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it's sad and I know everybody's heard the numbers, but like when you're in prison and, and you literally look around and you see that eight out of every 10 people is yeah. black man, yeah. it, it just strikes you. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, that's not the, the proportions of, of black people in society. Mm-hmm, right. So why is that the proportion of black people in prison? Yeah, and so I started to feel really strongly about that and I wanted to help them. So I developed a program, a 12 week program. And this is right at the end that literally became a mandatory program. If you want to go home, if you want to get your good time, you got to take my 12. week no program. Way. No okay. way. And, and one of them, and it sprang up from this conversation that I had publicly with a group of inmates and, um, and it, and it was a conversation I had with myself, right? And so the conversation was, before I came to prison, if you would have asked me, um, you know, hey, Mark, what's more important to you, you know, money or freedom? I would, I would have told you freedom, right? But mm. every single day I risk my freedom to make money. Mm. You know, or if you would have asked me, like, hey, oh, what's, yeah. what's more yeah. important to you, your friends or your family? You know, everybody said, of course, my family, right? But every single day I neglected my family to be with my, my friends, friends yeah. right? What's more important to your health or your habits? Same thing, right? But every single day, I neglected my health. My, my habits compromised my health, right? And, and so this is where I was, I was thinking about values. I had asked myself in a journal entry, what do you value? What's important to you? And I regurgitated the same thing that society teaches all of us. We mm-hmm. all will say the same thing, but your behavior is a true reflection of what you value. And so what I realized... Mm-hmm is that a lot of those guys that were in there, especially the, the inner city, you know, black community, 
right? They grow up in a neighborhood or, or an environment where the values in that environment are literally incompatible with, with society's values. Mm. Like all the values that we know to say, okay, their values conflict with those values. And that's why you come to prison because you're in an environment and you have to live up to the standard, to the code of conduct mm -hmm. in that environment. Oof. So you live up to the code of conduct, okay, but you've never stopped to ask yourself, what do you value? You're just mm -hmm. adhering to the standard. And, and, and so I have this conversation with a room full of 20 hardened criminals and, 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 and it, would, it would occur to them, it would dawn on them, like, holy shit, you know, I never really thought about that. Mm -hmm. You know, because they say, yeah, my, my kids or my this or my that, no. Right. What does your behavior say? You mm. know, and so then we would talk about okay, well, how get to work backwards almost. Let's let's yeah. reverse engineer this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What would what would it look like mm. day to day if you actually valued your your family, your mm -hmm. kids, or your right? You, so that's yeah. that's where it started. And and the teacher was like, "Yo, you got any more of this?" You know, and, <laughs> and I did it. it. Turns out I had twelve weeks worth. You know, like, yeah, I, I did, and I would go, and um, it was just so cool seeing. Of course, there's some guys there that are like, yo, I just want to get my good time. Like, yeah. yeah. But it was cool because I broke some of those fucking dudes open. Mm, like, yeah. I, I broke some of those dudes open right. and I started getting them thinking, like, you know, I don't know. Like, you got to take ownership. There's, there's, there's this, you said it earlier. You said something about, uh, that's why you were in there. When I brought up my brother, my brother died. And I had to have a conversation with myself where it's like, no, you know, that, that you don't make mistakes, you make decisions, and, and you, gotta, you gotta own your decisions, right? I used to say, oh, poor me, because I'm, you know, I was born to drug-addicted parents, poor me, I grew up in foster system, poor me, my mom gave me away when I was 11, poor me, my brother died when I was 16, my twin brother went to prison for 10 years, poor me, and, and I would excuse, I would say, that's why I'm doing what, what I'm, I'm doing. doing. Yep. And it's like, and, and so I had to have a conversation with myself, no, I'm not in here, because my brother, it's not my brother's fault, it's not my parents' fault, it's not my, it's not my real parents' fault, it's not circumstance fault, it's my fault. Like, I made decisions, right? And, and you, can't, you can't grow, you can't take ownership of where you're going unless you take ownership of how you got where you're at right now. Mm. So when I'm sitting in the box, if, if, if this is somebody else's fault, well, then I'm giving away, you know, I'm leaving uh, the outcome up to chance. Right. But if I say, no, this is my fault, I created this, then that's the only time that you unlock the power to create the next destination. Yeah. You've gotten rid of the victim mentality. Yeah. The victim mentality, oh, you've exposed uh, to, it for what it is. And it all and, comes oh. back to that yeah. decision that I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Because literally think about all this. Every time we justify in our head, every time we make an excuse, we really in the back of our head know the truth. We right. know. 100%. We know, oh, yeah. it. We know yeah. that it's in there. But we literally over and over and over mm. until we're just kind of conditioned to think, okay, hey, we're listening to that voice in our head that's making right. excuses. But but when you commit that, dude, and I love that because it literally, I was like, oh, dude, that's cool. Like, and yeah. that started you on your yeah. trajectory. But it all literally filters through that. Because it's everything. Because if the guys that you broke, you're talking about, it's like, all right, so we're going through this. They're hearing it. Then they're hearing the voice in their head saying, oh, this, this dude's full of crap. Nah. Yeah, nah, this dude's nah, fucking nah, corny. Nah, nah. Yeah. But then they're like, oh, crap. Like, he's right. And I'm just lying to myself. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's how, and dude, I love that. Yeah. That is Dude, yeah, yeah. Two I'm gonna listen to this episode. Yeah. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. my kids listen. To yeah, this two, episode. two things. Repeat. Darren, you're out. Mark, you're in. Yeah. Thir new third co-host. Uh, you said you wanted to move to Dallas. So and and well. two, <laughs> looking for another black dude. <laughs> Mark, that's all it is, man. is, bro. And two, would you consider running for president, my man? Yeah, right, everything right. you just laid out. I mean, extreme ownership. We got the book right there. It's yeah. just the stuff, man. This is the basics, man, and it's 
it's sad because I think that in the community that I want to help the most, there is such an aversion to taking personal mm-hmm. responsibility. Mm-hmm. There's such an, there's a, oh, there's the history. Yep. Okay. There's the, this happened to us. There's the, ah, oh, man, we don't have as many opportunities. Like I came home from prison. Okay. And this is, that, that one kills me. Oh, we don't have as many opportunities. We can't get jobs or school yeah. or our education. First of all, you know, and I, I hate the education conversation because all the information that you need to learn, all the skills, all the everything is, is available. We, 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 there's never been a time in history where there's more information available. I learned everything that I know because I self-educated. I literally opened a book, these things right here, and I just read them, read them, read them, read them, read them, thought about them, read about them, digested them, wrote about them, whatever. But I, I taught myself every, everything, you know, like I, I, we were talking earlier about psychology. Like I'm very well versed in psychology. I could talk to somebody that has a master's degree and be on their level. But you know what? I read, I read the same textbook that they fucking read. You know how I read it? I bought it. Mm. That's it. Right. That's hey. it. It's crazy. Like I, I think I asked somebody who was taking a mental health counseling master's degree course. And I said, hey, what book do you have to read? And I bought it. It's available. You know, right. so well, I hate when they say, that, oh, I don't have the scholarship. Not only that, that I can't you bought college. it right. while in prison, correct? While in prison. While in prison. Yeah. 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 And, and people say, oh, I, don't, I can't afford to go to school. I can't. Guess what? Neither could I. But I fucking I could afford the book that they read. Yeah. You know, and we we tell people all the time this top book, Atomic Habits. This is three, four, five years of somebody's life. That's that's amazing. Plus all of their life amazing. experiences for twenty dollars. Yep, that book is amazing. Mm-hmm. All, all books are like that, though. All, all books, books are, are like that. that. You're what I'm purchasing, saying. you know, their experience and and, and their perspective, right. which is which is valuable. That's mm-hmm. why we're sitting here talking. We're talking about perspective. This might change somebody's life, you know, make them think differently about themselves or about the way they've been living. And it's because of my experience. Right. right. So imagine if you could do that for yourself every day by reading a fucking book, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So um, but anyway, I came home from prison with nothing, you know, with 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 absolute. I mean, who's nothing. waiting for you when you walk out? My girl. Okay. She was there every. She was there for okay. It's so crazy, man. It, she's the greatest woman, and and it's sad because we didn't work out. Um, mm. it, it is. It's sad for me. The hardest thing I ever had to do in my life was was in that relationship mm. because because I'm just so loyal, you mm. know. And and I never. I've never. I've never told this story publicly, but when I when I got caught on the run, um, I was down in Pinellas County, so outside of Tampa Bay, Florida, and I go to the, their county jail. I'm in holding while they're going to transfer me back upstate or back to New York. And so I call her and, you know, we've all seen on the movies, like you have a collect call from whatever, Mm -hmm. and and it tells you where the jail is. So I'm on the run. There's no getting another bail. And, and I call her and she picks up and, um, and, and I'm like, you know, while I'm calling you from, from jail. So obviously you know what it is, right? Mm -hmm. You, You understand what, and I'm giving her the talk. That's like, Hey, we're young, you know, I'm 19, I think. Mm. So we're young. You got a lot of life ahead of you. You're, you're like, you've got a master's degree. You're, 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 you got yeah. a lot ahead right. going for you. Why don't you just, if this is meant to be, then, then when we, you know, when I get out of here, it'll, it'll happen. And if not, but I don't, I don't want to put any expectation on you. And, and she cut me off and, and all she, she was like, well, how much time are you facing? And I'm like, and they always try to scare scare you when you first get arrested. So I didn't end up doing this much time. But they're like, you know, I said they could. They said I could face up to ten years. You know, I had a class A felony, and the phone was silent, like just dead silent. And and all she said is, "Well, are you going to marry me?" You know, and I was mm. like, 
you know, I kind of looked at the phone. Like, oh, my God, Mary, what, this girl's crazy, you know? And, <laughs> um, and I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, if I, if, I, if I wait for you, you know, like, if I wait for you, mm, are you going to marry me? Goodness. And I'm like, you know, I just told you I was facing 10 years, you know? And, and this is, a, I mean, she's sharp. I mean, like I said, she's beautiful. And um, I said, listen, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know a single human being. My, my mom wouldn't put her life mm. on hold from me. Yeah, that's right. You know? yeah. like, I don't know yeah. a single person. Mm. I said, so if you, if you, if you wait, then I, I mean, I would say that you deserve it. Yeah, of course I'll, I'll marry you. So, um, so she did, she fucking waited. And, and, and so I came home and I, I mean, I intended to, to, to hold, to live up to it. Right. And so I come home, um, I moved in with my parents immediately um, that, that was all I had, you know, but anyway, I, I want to tell that story first. So I, I come home, things are good. We, we're, I had a number of goals set for myself. Like I had like a five year plan. Mm-hmm. Well, I did everything that I said I was going to do. I built everything. I, I did my five year plan in one year. Mm-hmm. I had a business. I was making six figures, you know, and everything was going right. Like I had this big vision. I want to build this wellness. I just wanted to help people. So I, and, and the fitness space has the lowest barrier to entry. So I just yeah. got into that. Mm-hmm. Right. So everything was going well, but I was working so hard and I, I was, I wasn't spending a lot of time with her. And I think that, you know, we both like fantasized about what it would be like when I came home for mm-hmm. so long mm-hmm. that like now it was really hard for me to live up to the fantasy, you right. know, like everything is going perfectly. But I, but it's just still, she wasn't happy. You know, mm-hmm. she was lonely and then she had this complaint or that complaint. And then it was like, you, you like the money and the businesses are doing well, but you also don't want me working so hard. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, I just came to a head where I had to choose to either really pursue the best version of me and, and live the most uh, meaningful and impactful life that I, that I could, uh, or be her husband, be the mm. husband that she wanted me to mm. be. It mm. wasn't going to, it became clear that I wasn't going to be able to do both. Right. And, and at least at that phase in your life, at least at that phase. And, yeah. and, and it was just hard. Like she was, it was really hard. Like I would come home and she just wasn't happy, you know? Mm. And, uh, and so I asked her one night, like, Hey, why don't you go stay at your mom's for, for a little bit? You know, because it was just, I'm working really hard. I come home. Last thing I want to do is, is, is hear it from mm. you, you know? Mm. And she went, and uh, it was just two days later where I was just like, you know, we should talk. And, and we talked, mm. and I said, listen, you know, I, and I explained that whole thing to her. Like, I, I'm at a point in my life where I feel like I owe. Yeah. Like, I feel like I don't deserve this life. I don't deserve second chance. I, I, you know, I have this business. I'm making all this money. All these mm. people love me and respect mm. me. And I, and I still have this, like, this, this what's that syndrome? This, um where you just don't feel qualified. You just don't feel, I don't know. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. I had this mm. imposter syndrome and, and, and not only that, but I also feel indebted. Like all the decisions that I've made, like I have so many friends, like I've lost best friends. My best friend in high school died. My brother died. I have so many friends that are never going to come out of prison. Like mm. they'll be in prison or at least in and out the rest of their life. And here I am, all these reckless decisions I made, and here I am living and enjoying the life that I have. I don't feel like I deserve it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I always wonder, well, why me? You know, why Travis died? I didn't mm-hmm. die. I did, right. I did a lot of reckless shit, too. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I've come to this point where I feel like I owe, and I, and I, want, I want to repay that debt. I, I want to use this second chance that I have and just give as much as I have. Like, my life is not about me anymore. My li- everything that I do, every, mm-hmm. if you look at me, like, seriously, and some people say this, but if you watch me fly on the wall— Everything that I do is to try to help people. 
Mm. Everything. My business is built around helping small business owners. It's about creating a better, you know, uh, environment for business to be done. Uh, my podcast, my social. I hate social media. Mm. I hate it. But you know why I'm on there? Because there's some people out there that need to hear what I have to say. Mm. That's it. Like right. everything that I do, even my relationship that I'm in now. And I know she'll listen to this. Um, and it's a, it's a touchy thing because my mission is my top priority. Like mm. it, it really is. Right. Like I, I have experience and perspective to give. I, I truly think that what I've been through and the lessons I've learned is the most valuable thing that I have to offer the world as a human. That's right. And I have some skill sets. Right. And, I, and, I ha and I have some, I have some pretty good skill sets. But I, I, I don't think, I think it, it trumps everything. Mm. And so the most important thing to me in life is living, is just giving as much as I can. I want to contribute as much as I can. Um, and so now... It gets in the way sometimes, but mm -hmm. she's, she's at least more understanding. Uh, but back then, you know, she couldn't understand it and she wouldn't. So I just, I had to leave her and it was the hardest thing I ever yeah, had to hear. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. I, I remember I was standing there just crying, like, because I knew yeah. you're a good woman. You didn't do anything wrong. In mm -hmm. fact, you did, uh, you did yeah. all this. Yeah. Right. And fortunately, you know, she's happy now. She has, a, she's, I, I think she, she might be married. But like, you know, at the time it was just, man, it was really, and you know, there's, I mean, look, there is no excuses, right? We all, we, there's no excuses in life, but you became a man as well. You grew up. Yeah. You did. You grew up as a man. So you go into that process, right? Let's move forward from, from there. You're out now. You started up your own business. What's, what was next mm. in Mark's life? All right, I want to take a quick minute to talk about our partner, Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, we are really, really humbled uh, and grateful to be a partner for them. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, uh, you've heard how great the resort is there, how great the casino is, the new expansion. They've doubled in size, 3,000 new slots. They've got unbelievable sports bar. They've got unbelievable restaurants, unbelievable movie theaters, arcades for kids. It is endless, the things that they've not only improved but added. Um, but it's just an the, the experience that they provide is second to none. Choctaw Nation has done an incredible job with the community, with philanthropy, with support. Um, they have just done incredible things. So we are extremely humbled and grateful to partner with Choctaw Casino and Resort. Make sure, I know you know it, but it's just a short drive of 75. Go check them out. And now back to the episode. Well, that was a, that was a, cool, that was a cool process. Um, came home, nothing. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people, they don't get this. They don't, they don't understand when I say I came home with nothing because if you were born in America, you've never been in a spot where you had nothing. You know, like I didn't have any socks and underwear. Like I didn't have nothing. Mm. And uh, no money in my bank account. I, I was depending on my parents. Luckily, my parents had a room that I could stay in. But that was it. What was that reconciliation, right? Because you weren't talking all the way up until about, the point. About two years in okay. was when, man... About two years in was when my parents finally reached out, um, and it wasn't them avoiding me. It was me avoiding them. Yeah. Mm. I didn't want to talk to them, you know? And um, they reached out, hey, can we come visit you? They come visit me. This is the, dude, this is crazy. They come visit me. The whole time, nothing, we're just, we're just interacting as if nothing happened, right? And they leave, give me a hug. I go back that night, I had another night, like, like the night that I wrote to my brother. I just had another night where, where it finally dawned on me that like that's unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Like my like they just showed up mm -hmm. and we had this day together and they act like nothing happened. Nothing, right. They act like nothing mm -hmm. happened. I put them through everything. Mm -hmm. like, I put them through hell. I was on the run. When I went on the run, I disappeared. I didn't tell anybody. 
like my apartment was left the you know there was pots and pans in the cabinet like every everything was they didn't know if i was dead on the run whatever like they're they're my parents mm -hmm. and and they showed up two years into the bid we haven't talked in three years or whatever and they act like nothing happened. They brought me, they brought me gifts. They brought me books and clothes and, and stuff like that. It, like nothing happened. And I went back and I fucking cried because I'm like, man, all this shit, I pushed mm. them away for so long. Mm. And that love was real. Right. Like that's when I, that, that love was real. That's when I realized what unconditional love really is. Mm -hmm. It's you show up, you show up. It's, it's okay. Nobody's perfect, but you know what? They love me anyway. And it was, it was crazy. It was a big moment, but I come home. I want just real quick. I, I want to call something out. I think parents out there, right? hear that i want you to hear that story because it was so it's powerful a, it's imperative like kids were idiots right. i said we're idiots mm -hmm. kids are yeah. but but really though like just continue to show up continue mm -hmm. to show up like i got continue to show up and and, it, and my mom is 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 like me she'll fucking tell you what's on her mind mm -hmm. no matter what so yeah. like so to your point because i'm not a parent but to your point you don't ever get off that fucking horse. Like, don't don't accept or tolerate things from your kids that you know is not okay. That's why right. we weren't talking. That's right. why we weren't talking. That's right. Because it right. wasn't okay. Right. And right. and you know what? She was right. That's yeah. it. Like, and I didn't like it, so I didn't talk to her. Yeah. But you know what? They'll come around, mm -hmm. and when they do, you show up and act they like nothing happened. They will go up and figure. But the kids mm -hmm. will figure it out, mm -hmm. and then they'll look back that entire time that you were consistent about it. They're like, "Listen, like I know you're better than this. I know you're better mm -hmm. than this. I know you're better than this." And then they'll find like, "Oh crap!" What they've been saying for years and years and years. Here it is. Right. Yes. But yeah. think about the opposite. If your parents be like, oh, you're doing good. Yeah, you're really successful. Good yeah. job. Look, hey, we won't just talk about the other stuff, but everything's good. And then make your life. All that's doing is enabling yep. and reinforcing mm. bad behavior. Mm. Like you talked about. It's the worst thing a parent can do for the you. Worst. Mm. It's the worst. thing. And that's what's that's happening. That's what parents want to be is yeah. best friends. That's right. what's happening. You are not their best friend. Yep. Yep. That's, so what's, that's what's happening these days is parents are tolerating behaviors that, that really are un intolerable. <laughs> Um, and, 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 and it's, it's bad because now I look back and, and I know that she did that cause she loved me, yeah. you know? And like, what, I can't imagine being in a different position where they were okay with it. And, yeah. and, and now I look back and I, and I realize my parents are dumbasses and you mm. know, like I just, and they let me do all, they let yeah. me walk into, they let me put oh, my hand man. on the stove. No, they, they kept trying to tell me right. the stove was hot, you right. know, and I didn't like it. So. So it was, it was cool, but yeah. I come home just to fast forward, uh, got nothing. Um, you know, I wanted to help people and I, I, I didn't know, I really wanted to get into mental health, um, addiction, recovery, um, even like in the inner city neighborhoods where, you know, just self-worth and, and some like social programming, social programming, yeah. kind of like my 12 week program, yeah. but like mm -hmm. on a bigger scale, um, helping ex-convicts. But, but the psychology field and the social work field has a higher barrier mm. to entry. You got to go to school. You got to get qualified mm. and all these things. So the fitness space, honestly, the fit, a fitness journey was also extremely helpful to me changing my life because it teaches you things like discipline and delayed gratification and consistency and, you know, just building mm. upon what you did yesterday. Right. Like that's, that's life. That's, mm -hmm. that's all of life mm -hmm. is just build upon what you did yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You must have been listening to our Wednesday say, episodes. You, you must subscribe and rate five stars <laughs> to the One Shot Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but but that, so that taught me a lot. And, and so I said, fuck it. I'll just get into fitness. And under the guise of fitness, I will help people find self-worth, confidence, mm -hmm. consistency, and the things that they need, much like 75 Hard, but the things that they need in order to really change their life. Yeah. 
Um, and so I did. I, 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 I um, got a job stocking shelves at a grocery store overnight. Okay, if you never fucking worked an overnight job before, it's the most difficult thing in the entire world to stay awake overnight. Oh, uh, I have completely yeah. quiet. Stock, show, I stock shelves at Target. Yeah. Yeah. When so I was a, in high school. They had, high they school. had targets back 15, then? 16 years old, yeah. yeah. 16 years old, man. And, not, and then got, then, check this out. <laughs> Stock shelves. Then got done with that one. 7 a.m. Started my other job in the summertime. Yes. Wow. See, that's three, bro. That's slave labor. That work in. That work in. That work in. But no, for real. And, and it, was, it was the most difficult thing. Yeah. I, I mean, that was difficult. Like, I, I had to stay, just to stay awake. Like, it, it was so hard for me. So I did that for a couple weeks. And to be honest, it's one of the only jobs I've ever had. Um, but I saved up enough money to uh, pay for my personal training certification. Um, I, I took the test. And back to a point we made earlier, we need to hammer this point. I bought the book <laughs> in prison, and I read it cover to cover three times so that when I came home, I could sit for the test, and I wouldn't have to wait. Mm. Okay? So I bought the... It was the Ace Personal Training Manual. I was, manual. Say, I was asking, which yep. one did you do? Ace. Ace? Yep. Okay. So okay. I bought the Ace Personal Training Manual. At the time, it was either Ace or NASM. They were mm -hmm. like the two biggest yep. ones. Um, so I bought the, the Personal Training you, Manual. Those are hard ones. You should have gone with much easier ones. I know. <laughs> I should have. But I bought, I bought the study yeah, guide. Time, I, I, I bought the study guide. I bought everything. And then I came home. And as soon as I had enough money to, to sit for the test, I did. And I passed it. Okay? So Because I already prepared. Mm -hmm. And then um, I tried to get a job at a gym. And, um, and I just didn't like the way they did business. Like they charge people so, so much. They give the trainer nothing. I mean, mm -hmm. it was like, it was crazy. It was it's stupid expensive. And then I'm making nothing on it. You're making all that. So I didn't last very long there at the gym. Um, and, and, and now I'm like kind of on my own trying to figure out like, what am I going to do? I know I don't want to work at that gym. Um, I have no place to train my clients. I know I want to help people. Um, so almost like divine inter I don't, I can't explain it to this day, but I'm panicking, okay, because my whole plan is unraveling. How am I going to train people? I don't have anywhere to train. I don't have any money for a lease. And a fucking lady sends me a message, random lady that I'd never talked to before. I don't, still to this day, I don't know how she found me. Lady sends me a message on Facebook Messenger. Hey, I heard that you're looking for a place to train your clients. That's it. <laughs> hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I am. You know, I am. What you got? I, I, you know, I, in my head, I'm thinking I can't afford anything mm -hmm. anyway, but. I go, I see this lady. It's nothing. I mean, it's literally smaller than this, this podcast studio. I mean, it's, it's smaller than my kitchen, mm -hmm. my house, right? It, and maybe 200 square feet, like maybe. And um, she was previously using it as a conference room. That's it. She owned a couple businesses. And so when she would meet with people, she would just have them go. Mm -hmm. So she's like, it's not much, but you can use it. And it was on Main Street. We're in a small town. Main Street is the only, is the only street. You want to <laughs> be on Main Street, right? right. So I'm like, you know, screw it. I said, and I started to go in and say, like, I kind of don't have any money. Like, what? And she, she cut me off. She said, hey, um, you know, I know you're just starting out. So um, why don't you just pay me commission? You know, that way, if you don't make any money, you don't owe me anything. Mm. Wow. And, and if you do, wow. then cool. And I'm like thinking, like, where the f who is this lady? You know, like, how did this God? happen? Like, same day, same day that I'm panicking. And, um, and so that, that's what I did. And so I spent every dollar that I had at the time, which was like 1400 bucks on a set of used dumbbells, uh, used kettlebells and a rower off of uh, Facebook Marketplace. Mm. And, and, wow. and I'm training people. I got two, two old ladies that knew me from the gym uh, that, that wanted to follow me and train with me there. Old ladies, I mean, 60s and 70s. Um, 
And, and I started my business with those two old ladies. And, uh, and man, it, within eight months, I had like a 3,500 square foot facility. I was making like, you know, 15 to $17,000 a month. Um, you know, yeah. doing well. I had a massage therapy studio. I had a yoga instructor that was, you know, Eight starting months. to come in within, hmm. within it. So this is all like my first year home. And, um, and yeah, I had the massage therapy business and it was all kind of like starting to connect. I had a nutritional coaching business where if you worked out at my gym, nutritional coaching was included. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to provide a really comprehensive approach to wellness. Cause for me, the process of changing my life, it required all of those mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. It required food. It required sleep. It required, you know, take care of myself. I did yoga. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to give everybody, I wanted to replicate the process for them. Right. And, um, <clears throat> and I did, and, and I, and I was doing well. Um, and, and it's funny, I had a friend at the time, I never talked about the fact that I'd been in prison. That was one thing I was worried about. I was going to ask you yeah. what life was like, at, you know, no people that knew. So nobody knew. This. Right. Nobody okay. knew. I was going to say, sketchy little gym, ex-con, like nobody, <laughs> these old ladies no, show up. <laughs> nobody knew. Nobody knew. Um, and that was like, it was a positive, it was, you know, it was tough because like I told you guys, I had already concluded what I wanted to devote my life to. Mm -hmm. I, wanna, I wanna use what I've been through and what I've learned to do some good in the world, to do right. as much good as I can. And, and, and even though what I was doing was good, it sort of satisfied my, my want to help people. It wasn't, it, I knew in my heart it wasn't what I, Right. But it was what I fully, should have been. It wasn't right. fully authentic. Right. Well, no, it, it was. Whole, it but was. It wasn't the whole you. Like you were holding back. It's like helping people on a surface level. Right. Yeah, you yeah. know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and and that's that's not what I knew. I, that's not what I felt called to do. Mm -hmm. So, about a year in, I I have a conversation with uh, somebody, a, a relationship that I have with a company that I was working with, and um, and and I they're they're present on social media, very present, and so. Um, I, I, I go to tell him and I say, hey, I got to tell you something, you know, and, and, and so the woman gets back to me and I'm like, hey, and I FaceTime her, which I never FaceTime her before, but I just want to have, I want to say it face to face, see what you, what, how you respond. So I FaceTime her. She thinks it's weird. And, and so I'm like telling her like, hey, listen, like I got something I want to tell you and blah, blah, blah. I kind of want to tell my story on social media. And I just want to make sure that like you guys would be okay with it. Like I was fully expecting that this, this company was going to not even want to have anything to do with me anymore mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I'm going to tell the story. So that's the conversation I wanted to have first. Like, hey, if we're going to cut ties, let's cut ties because I'm about to right. do this. And I tell her the whole story. Like, hey, I've been to prison. I've been, I, ju I just got home, you know. And, and the only thing, like, I'm thinking that that's the biggest deal in the world. The only thing that she said back, she was like, Mark, how the fuck did you, did you do everything that you've done so far in, in a year? You, you're telling me you've only been home one year, you know? <laughs> right. and, and it just made me feel so good that uh, that, that was more of a priority right. in the conversation to her. And it was reassuring. Um, and, and even the response to her, I'll never forget, was like, that question caught me off guard. What do you mean, how did I do it? Like, uh, I said, I just don't waste any days. Yeah. Like, I, just don't, mm. I just don't waste any. Every day I wake up and I ask myself, what can I do today? And I just do it, you know? And... and and I know that that's a novel idea because people don't do it. People like work really hard Monday through Thursday. I mean, m most people don't even work really hard, but, oh, but they work, they work Monday through Thursday <laughs> yeah. and then Friday rolls around and they kind of like half day it. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday and Sunday we, we do this, you know, put we, our feet up, that's right. we, we, yeah. we, we put our feet up and, yeah. and like in my mind in prison, I had this realization. I stopped in the box actually, because in the box, when you're in the box, all days are the same, you, you lose track of time. You don't know how long you've been Dude, in there. you need to write a book. 
Your book needs to be bro, uh, in the box. Big, the box. Yeah, small in the box. Minded. Yeah, yeah. Small-minded. There's yeah. going to no. be a movie, yeah. bro. Really? No, I'm you're going that's movie. what I'm saying. Yeah. The book will lead to We're a movie. That, that'd be in cool. In the box. But in yeah. the box, I'll it's, be like, your manager. it's uh, like one big day. You know, you lose yeah. track of days. You lose track of weeks, times. And and so your routine is all that, that you're committed to. Mm. So for me, when I wake up, I do yoga. Then when I do, you know, I pray. I do yoga. I journal. Um, I read. I eat breakfast. I, I, I exercise. I, I, that was, that was, that's what made my days. That's mm-hmm. what, where the time, mm. you know, the chronological aspect of time, that's where it came from, was what, at what point in my routine am I in, mm-hmm. you know? And, right. and so I come home, and I just, I make no distinction between days. Like, Tuesday is no different than a Saturday or a Sunday mm. to me. It's a, right. Every day is an opportunity for you to get closer to either who you want to be or, or where you want to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so... That's what I did is I just woke up every day and said, okay, cool. What can I do to move forward today? And I made a list and I did the list. And then she's like dumbfounded, you know, like, how did you do this? And I'm, you know, when you don't waste any days, it's incredible how fast you can accomplish some things, Mm -hmm. you know, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. For sure that, but also the five years you spent working on yourself. I didn't spend five years. That's or the, the thing. The, the two years. The three. That's the two the years. Yeah. I spent two years yourself. working on that's myself. Right. So, yeah. so that year went by fast yeah. from an outsider perspective, but you've yeah. been working on it. But I've been right. working on it. You're right. I had some plans. Right. I had some ideas. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I had no formal business experience. Right. No. Still to this day, you know what I was most afraid of? I wasn't a... People sometimes when they come home on parole, they get afraid they're going to violate, right? Because mm-hmm. they're, they're afraid they're going to get caught doing something. Right. I wasn't afraid of that. I wasn't doing nothing wrong. You know what I was afraid of? I was afraid... That when I built my business, I did something wrong and I broke a law or I evaded a tax or something. And, that's and I was going to go back to jail. <laughs> I was afraid. I'm like, I'm like, I hope nobody ever looks into my business because I just did this shit from scratch. I didn't ask for no help. I didn't have nobody helping me. And I'm like, I probably broke a rule somewhere. And if yeah. I did, I'm going to go to jail. You know, like, that's what I was scared of. Um, and so then, you know, just sort of business went well. I had an opportunity to, to really work under somebody that I, that I respected a lot. Um, you know, Andy Frisella, Andy Frisella. So he's, he's well-known entre- business entrepreneurship space. Um, and at the time, um, when I was building my business, I was listening to a podcast that he had. It was the MFCEO project. And it, this podcast was like, in my opinion, it's one of the greatest podcasts yes. ever, ever put out. And Agreed. It's, it's amazing. It was the number one business and entrepreneurship podcast in the world for like five years in a row, like number one ranked. Um, it was just so good. And the premise of it was he would just show up and he would share a lesson that he'd learned in business over the previous 20 years for young entrepreneurs. So I'd listen to an episode and I'd implement it in my business and it would work, you know, and then I listened to another episode and then I'd implement it. And so eventually I became to really respect, appreciate, and, and even like idolize this guy because he taught me everything. Mm. He, he helped me build my business without even knowing it. So when I had an opportunity to go out and work for his company and work directly for him. Wait, 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 wait don't skip this. So did you call him? Did he, nah. did he reach out to you? Nah. I mean, let's go through that. Let's go okay. through that dynamic. So their company has an independent sales opportunity. Like when they're in the sports nutrition um, business. So when you're like a personal trainer yeah. or a nutrition coach. Ambassador or, program, right? Or a gym, yep, or a yep. gym owner or something like that, uh, you can reach out to them and, and apply uh, for like basically permission to sell their products, third mm-hmm. party. Okay. So I did. I, I reached out. I applied. Most people in their ambassador program, they sell products on social media, right? They're very, very, very present on social media. But I never had social media before. I don't know. I, I didn't know mm. a thing about social media. <laughs> I, you know, so I, 
I'm old school sales, you know, on the street, right. <laughs> literally, you know, <laughs> literally, literally, yeah. Yo, I got some pre-workout in here. Come check this out. For real, literally. So, so, but I'm like, I'm in this space already. I have a nutritional coaching business at this point. I have the gym. I've got, I've got a lot of clients. So like supplements is a conversation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's crazy because, so my clients used to ask me a lot about supplements and, and I would never recommend them. And the reason why I never recommended them is because I'm, I'm hyper aware of the role that trust plays in sales. Mm. And, and I would never give somebody a product that they would be able to say, oh man, Mark told me to use this mm. product. And so with supplement industry, it's really dicey. It's really mm-hmm. dicey. I didn't, up until that point, I hadn't found a single company that across the board, their product line was something that I felt comfortable recommending mm. to somebody, right? Mm. So especially like, I mean, even think of simple things like protein powder. I give you a protein powder. It, it makes you bloated. It gives you gas or whatever hurts your stomach. Um, and now you associate that negative experience with me. Like this is how deep I think mm-hmm. into the transactions right. that I make, mm-hmm. you know? And so I wouldn't do it. So I, f- I found first form when I was looking for a premium brand in the supplement space that I could recommend to my my clients, and I didn't know that Andy owned it. Mm. I didn't. Uh, I mm. didn't really? know. I was looking for the highest quality supplements on the market, wow. and I found First Form. I tried their products, and I never knew that Andy owned it. Well, because if you listen to his podcast, he never mentions he, First Form, it, especially back then. Right now, he does a little bit more. Yeah, but, a little bit. but so I apply, I get accepted, I start like crushing it. Um, apparently I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was, I was, I was one of the top performing men that they had, um, to the point where they, they recognized me. They gave me this award and flew me out to St. Louis, um, which is where the company's headquarters. They flew me out to St. St. Louis just to like, give me like this VIP experience to meet everybody and blah, blah, blah. And long story short, one of the executives was like, Hey man, I know you got a lot going for you out there in New York, but if you're ever interested, you know, we could use a guy like you around here, you know, because the question was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing over there? Like, yeah. you don't even have, you got 200 yeah. followers on social media. Like, <laughs> right. what are you doing? How are you moving all these supplements, yeah. you know? And um, how many people were with the company at that point? Probably around 10,000. Like, probably. Oh, you mean employees, internally. Employees. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, they yeah, had employees. about 10,000 reps. And of the 10,000 yeah. reps, I was, I was recognized. They gave me an award called the MVL, which is just most valuable, basically. Mm. And, um, and internally, the company was... I mean, in the office space, they have a warehouse as well. But inter- at the office space, I think they only had like seven or eight. Okay. Oh, wow. it, was, it was a small mm, company. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so I joined, when I joined the team, I was like, uh, the, the sales, sales team internally, I was number eight of the sales team. They had, wow. like, they had like four or five customer service guys and they had whatever. And now they have like 400 something. Wait, what say, year was this again? Uh, 19, 18, 19, 19, okay. 19, 2019, oh, wow. but they've grown a lot over these past yeah, several years. Yeah. The company's only 12 years old, but it was really like these last four years that mm-hmm. like things have changed drastically. Yeah. You know, yeah. like for example, when I first applied and I started selling the products locally, people literally had never heard of it before. Mm. Yeah. Like, mm. I mean, nobody, like, <laughs> like the only time that they, when they, to the point where when they would hear the, the term or the name of the company, they would hear first form, they would just associate it with my company. Uh, They'd be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Mark stuff. Right. You know, like, that's how, that's how much nobody <laughs> knew who it was, right? right? And so so the employer, the executive, he asked me, hey, you know, you want to come out here? And I didn't even hesitate. I was like, cool, because now I obviously knew that it was Andy's company. Mm. So I got the opportunity to work for Andy, and I'm like, yeah. So well, you left everything behind? Left everything. 
I mean, everything that I everything that I planned on for like not one year, mm -hmm. but for the last three years, mm -hmm. everything that I worked mm. to create these goals, these ideas, this vision that I had for what I was going to build and how I was going to impact the world. And you know what it came down to? It came down to in my mind, I swear to God, I said, First Form seems to be on the same mission that I'm on. Mm. They want to help people. They want to they want to really use fitness as a tool, as a vehicle. Um, but they're just further along. You know, like they got a bigger reach. They got more resources. They got a big audience. And so it was just an ego question. It was just like, if you're truly committed to the mission and you want to help as many people as possible, well, then there's, there's not a, there's, there's, there's no choice here, right? Yeah. Like you can impact exponentially more people by helping people who help people than, you know, you being one of the people who helps people. Right. right. And so mm -hmm. that was it. It's all it came down to was that I could have a bigger impact if I, if I went there. And so I literally walked away from my own business I walked away from my family, who I only was home for a year now at this point. Like, they, they already lost me for five and a half mm. years, and now I'm leaving again. I walked away from all my friends to move to a place where I didn't know anybody other than Andy. Um, and I'd never been there before. And, and I started, and by the way, I was making, like I said, you know, $15,000, $17,000 a month. I started at First Form for a $30,000 salary. Wow. <laughs> $30,000. Wow. Less than two months. Less than two months. Literally. Literally. Mm. And, and, it was, and, and it wasn't even a question. I moved into this. I moved into these grungy, the cheapest apartments I could find. I'm living in, you know, I mean, to the point where when my parents came out to St. Louis to visit me for the first time, my mom walked in and cried. <laughs> she walked into my apartment and she cried. And she said, Mark, you're not in prison anymore. <laughs> For real. And that's what I gave up everything to start uh. over. Um, and this is a, it's, it's a point that I like to drill home because people are so afraid to, of that one step backwards, That's two right. steps forward. Mm -hmm. I love it. I mm. love it. I just did it. I, I don't work for first form anymore. Um, but, but in the, in the previous three and a half years, I, I, I worked my way up to, to being top employee in, in the company. Um, and, and I, and I resigned, I just resigned, you know, two months ago or a month and a half ago. And, and it's, you know, people think you're crazy, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with, with being open about it, but, you know, I started at $30,000 salary and I just resigned. I was making $250,000, you know, mm. I was one of the highest paid employees in the building outside of the, the executives and, and things like that. And most people are like, and my job was cushy. Mm. I mean, my job was, my job was awesome. Like my job was the best job in the building. All I did was manage relationships with really cool people mm -hmm. like you guys, like that, that's it. That's all I did. They would fly me all over the country just to go wine and dine people like mm. that. Like that was my job. And, and have they found a replacement? I'm, 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 uh, I'm open. It's going to apply, right? I mean, so hey, the, you, have to, you have to like people, Ben. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Sort of. Sort of. Slight hiccup. I don't like people. So, you know what? Me neither. I made it work though. But, 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 but so people will say, man, well, how the hell do you walk away from something like that? Well, well, if it doesn't light your fire anymore, you know, if it doesn't, if you don't wake up excited to do what you do, like if you're not happy about it, if, if there's a way for you to keep it, and mm -hmm. light your fire, right. then do that, okay? But I'm an all-in or all-out kind of person. Mm -hmm. And I reached a point where it just, you know, it became rote for me. I, was, I wasn't connected to the impact anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't actually, I didn't see the people that I was helping. And, you know, I mean, even there's people that I've helped a lot in my previous role, I've helped them make a lot of money, you know, but that was never my goal. Mm -hmm. my, my goal was never to help people make a lot of money. I can, make, I can help people make a lot of money, and that's mm -hmm. why I got paid well. But that's all I was doing at the, at the end was I was just, you know, I help people build businesses and, and make a lot of money and figure out, you know, how can we do this and, 
and, and, and make it most ideal? How can you make the most amount of money and do mm. the least amount of work? Like that was a lot of my job. And, right. and that's just, it didn't light my fire. So I well, walk away. It's, it's the, the concept you told the lady at the company. It's like every day matters. I make every day count. Every day. And if yeah. you wake up and he's like, oh, I mean, today doesn't really. Exactly. Yeah. It, it doesn't really matter that yeah. much. Like, yeah. what is it going to do? You know, it's not going to, it doesn't, mm -hmm. does it contribute? Because the question was always, what can I do today to get closer to who I want to become or where I want to be, you know? And like, it just, it just, mm -hmm. I, I stopped finding yeah. the answer, you know? And then not only that, but the, the real concept that I'm trying to nail home right now is the one step backwards, two steps forwards. Okay. You have to be okay in life with walking away from everything you've built up until this point in your life like I did, to take a 75% pay cut mm -hmm. and start back from scratch because you feel better about it, because you see that there's an opportunity for you to be more impactful, for you to live more in line with your mission, your purpose, or what you feel called right, to do. Right. That's it. It's all about your core values. Yeah. It's You're about following. your values. Yes. And, it, and it, takes, it takes the effort to figure out what those core values are. And people are so tied to comfort there and stability yeah. and money. Mm -hmm. money, is not a, money is not a primary motivator to me like I, I me and andy sometimes we would we would butt about this because he'd tell me mark you gotta care about money and you know <laughs> stuff like that but and i do i get it i get it you need it you can't you know you could be yeah, more but it's also like andy you spent 10 years 10 years made, making nothing nothing yeah, yeah. tell me that money really mattered <laughs> it, to you then exactly you it know? did but you he, did it because you you believed in what you were doing and this is what you wanted to do well and he understands the same thing I understand, yeah. which is that when you do what you're what you're, you're doing, doing yeah. when you do what you're, you're trying to do, yeah. guess what? It's gonna come back. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna come back. There's a law of reciprocity where you know you oh, give, give, word. give, give, give. That's a big give, word give. in this yeah. room, bro. Reciprocity. I love that, dude. I love that rule, though. Like it's yeah. a, it's real. You know, the, like you get what you give. That's right. You know, and mm -hmm. when you understand that you're putting real value, real yes. intent into the world. There's no way you, you won't, you, you can't. Now, you've had some great building blocks as well. Look, I mean, just think about your, the situation and experiences you've been in in your life. Like a lot, some of those experiences where you were alone. Yeah. And this, this was a, no one else is in there. Your, 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 your family wasn't in that room. Your friends weren't in that room. It was just you. Yeah. And you went through that transition and you moved, you got out of prison. You had a transition there. And then you went to first form and, there was some leadership there. I, and I know because we went to First Form, mm -hmm. what? Last year? Was it last year? A little over a year. Yeah, last spring. And let me tell you, the experience that we had there was unbelievable. Incredible. It was a game changer. Th those dudes, Andy in particular, you know, this is just a different breed. And, yeah. and, and, and I know whenever I'm speaking to a, a bigger audience, there's always ha it's always a split audience. Half the people hate him. Half the people love <laughs> him. He's, he's one of those polarizing that's people. Right. That's, that's just true. And, and, and I don't want to invalidate anybody who feels any way about him, but I will tell you that he's one of the most passion-driven people that I've ever met in my entire life. Okay, mm -hmm. like, I mean, he just operates mission first all the time. He did, yeah, he makes a lot of money. He's really successful at this point. Right. He's well-known in the entrepreneurship space. But I can tell you personally that, you know, after spending years by his side, okay, that, like, the only thing that matters to him is his mission. That's mm, it. Yeah. And it's cool because I, because I try to operate on the same frequency, mission right. first, you know, and, 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 and that faith that you, that you have, like, 
what you were just saying is that I built a lot of credibility with myself. That's right. That's it. That's it. Like I'm okay with walking mm -hmm. away from making $250,000 cushy salary at a cushy job to start from scratch all mm -hmm. over again after walking away from making, you know, $15,000, $16,000 a month to make $30,000 a year. Okay. Like I've done this several times now and I got credibility with myself. Yeah. I know I can do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah I want to dive into what you're doing now, but just curious, just out of curiosity, what are some of the lessons from working with them personally? You know, you, heard, you learn a lot from him on the podcast, but what are some of your favorites? This is the thing, and people don't like to hear it, but he literally gives everything away. He gives it all. You know, one of the lessons that I learned from him early when I was still on my own building my business, give your most valuable thing away for free. He, mm. he did an MFCEO project episode where he said that, and it wasn't, even the, it wasn't even the topic of the episode. It was just something that he said. He said, you got to give your most valuable thing away for free. And, it, and, and I heard him say wow. it. And I oh. said, huh, okay. And I'm, and I'm like looking, I'm connecting the dots. I'm looking at what he's doing with MFCO. Like he's giving real value like here. Mm. There's these people that put on these seminars and they charge you ten, twenty thousand dollars mm. to come listen to them give away stuff that's less valuable yeah, than the stuff. Mm. Regurgitated that they saw in the yeah. conference. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? So he said that, and this is a lesson that not many people talk about. It got overlooked, it's years ago. So I'll say that now, you know, one of the most valuable things I ever learned from him is to give your most valuable thing away for free. When you give away value all the time, not bullshit. Like think about mm -hmm. in the terms of like your traditional company, what do they give you? They give you a pen, they give you, you know, like uh, you know, a water bottle or maybe one of those, those pull string bags. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Useless, not right. valuable, right? right? Yeah. right. When you give people something of value for free, mm. now they value you in return. <laughs> yeah. Those pull string yeah. bags, that's the for real. example. It's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> exactly. You ever put one of these things on? <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally. Hey, watch example. your mouth, Ty. Hey, watch out, Ty. So, uh, business <laughs> owner, man, those things are... Uh, those so money now. <laughs> no. It's not a purse. It's a hundred of them things for $1.50. Yeah. <laughs> Brand myself with those what things. What's the, what's the, that what's was the, what's that the was, line? It's not a purse, it's a satchel. <laughs> For real. But that was a point that he made in the show. You know, he used those as examples. And I remember that's, this is years ago. And, and, and it served me to this day. Like, I still, I, I told you guys earlier, I think this is the most valuable thing I have to give anybody. Mm -hmm. It's the most value I can give. You know what? I'm never going to charge anybody for it. Right. You know, like I, I had a guy in St. Louis, a business owner. He has a business with like 100 employees. He asked me to come speak to his company. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I'll come. You know, when do you want me to come by? Um, we, we settled it. I show up, you know, and I speak and everything. He's like, dude, let me pay. What do I owe you? And uh, Dude, you don't owe me nothing, man. This, is, this stuff is this, this stuff I got for free. I'm going to give it to you for free, mm -hmm. too. And Here's the deal. Just prepare yourself, though, and, and Darren can speak to this, is that you're going to start impacting so many people now you're giving away your time, which is your most I know, valuable I know, thing. I know, I know. So there's a point. There's a threshold. There's a yeah, point yeah. where you're like, okay, because I was the same way. Like, I've literally never charged anybody to mm -hmm. speak. And I'm like, and I love doing it, especially like getting to talk to kids and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Hey, what's your, what do they call it? Um, your, your fee. Uh, your fee, but I get what a pastor's call it, honorarium or whatever they oh, call yeah, it. Oh, yeah, your honorarium. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I only speak like SCAs and stuff like that. So, so. <laughs> I don't have any street creds, so I'm going to go talk to the junior high kids. But anyways, um, but like, yeah, there's a point. And, and actually, like typically, especially in that, and I bring up FCA, like very much because they're so low budget. Usually schools are running it and they're like, hey, you used to go here. Like there was a point where I had junior hires that had my cell phone. It got out and they yeah. were calling my cell phone asking me mm -hmm. to come speak to their, mm -hmm. their third grade class FCA. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. The FCA director who's like leading all this, he goes, hey, look, dude, you've got to put a value on it. Like, yeah. don't feel bad for asking. There's a, point, yeah. there's a point. There's a point. Look, I, 
your message is going to get out and people are going to be impacted and it's dude it's going to snowball so there's a point but where what you're I, like what i mean specifically is like this when i'm on a podcast yeah. when i'm doing my own podcast mm-hmm. when i'm doing my own social media all this stuff that we talked about today yeah. is 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 on my social media platform you can find it in my in, in my instagram posts you can find it on my podcast mm. and it's like just like andy i mean just like andy andy did the mfco project for free he never ran mm-hmm. a single ad okay i can mm. tell you a story about that um jim bean reached out not many people know this but jim bean reached out to andy and offered him um a seven or eight figure deal for him to just casually mention Jim Bean on the show. Okay. Andy turns it down and he's like, man, I don't drink Jim Bean. I drink Maker's Mark. Oh, <laughs> okay. But that's not the real, the real reason is because he committed to giving yeah. his most valuable thing away mm, for yeah. free. He lives right. up to what he said. Yeah, right. Yeah. And he, wow. and he understands that what he's giving on yeah. the MSU, this is, this is the most valuable ben, thing I can mm. give you. Would you start no. drinking for seven figures? No, <laughs> not alcohol. Damn. <laughs> I hate alcohol. I'm not, a, I'm not an advocate of alcohol at all. And it's crazy. Wait, I'm did you say seven figures? Seven figures. <laughs> seven figures. Yeah, you're talking about doing like, some weird you stuff. Saw, yeah, you would do some crazy. I do a lot weirder for way less. <laughs> for, for way less, yeah. <laughs> but that's one. And, and, and then another one is, is attention to detail. Okay, attention mm. to detail. Oh, my like, God. This, this is just something that is so basic. Okay, the first one is one that not many people hear him talk about very often. And, and if, you, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, just, just think about ways that you can implement it because it's, it's helped me so much. Um, but the second one is just attention to detail. Like, you guys were at First Form HQ. You mm. walk into the bathroom. Oh. You walk into uh, the locker room. I tell people about that bathroom every time I walk into a bathroom. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> every time I do. story. The, the third floor uh, bathroom on the west wing of the star is probably – Second cleanest bathroom in the country yeah. behind first form. Behind first form, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. True story. Like yeah, we can't walk this. in there now, not mm-hmm. wipe the sink. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, it, and it just. It, right. But, but how? But how difficult? How much? How, how much more time does it take you to in and out? How difficult is it? You see. <laughs> What? You, you two say silent for a second, Mark. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to settle something real go. quick. Me and you, we're going to settle something real quick. Tell it like it Hold is, though. <laughs> tell it like it is, not your little watered down version that you've changed your story. Mark, just be honest. Just yeah. Be, yeah. Mark, transparent. Mark, we had this discussion a year or two ago, early on in this podcast. And I was talking about how it, it just it boils my blood to walk into a, a bathroom mm-hmm. and there's paper towel bits mm-hmm. on the floor. Any any bathroom. Any bathroom. doesn't matter. I don't care where I go. Yep. Yeah. I, I take out a clean paper towel, I pick it up, I throw it away, and then I wash my hands. No big deal. These two act no, like no, no. I was you didn't no, 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 touching no, 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 no. AIDS you didn't tell the story Again, every right. time. You didn't, you didn't tell so, the story no, right. Hold on. So, Mark, what, what's your no, opinion no, no, on it? No, no, no. Tell the true story. Go ahead. Give it. Yeah. I, I'm curious so to hear like, the full yes, story, apparently. Okay, understand that. But, like, are you saying everywhere? He goes, everywhere. I will not, if I'm in there, and, and I'm like, okay, hold on. There's a limit on it. So <laughs> you're in, there you go. you're there, in, there you're Mark. in around the toilet, and there's a no. wet urine soak. He goes, yeah, you, like, you wrap it up. I'm like, no. Mark. No, it's out. Mark. Yeah. Hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Personal excellence, hold, Mark. Hold on. There, there, there's a limit, and, and the limit is not necessarily how gross it is, because I've picked up some, some nasty things, but the limit is only because... It, it will completely disrupt your day, like that for me anyway. Like when I, if I try to, if I try to really hold myself to the to the highest standard in that in that way, then what it looks like is everywhere I walk, yeah. I'm picking up this, that, this, that, yeah. this, that, this, that, and it, and it holds me up. So you can't do it everywhere, but yep. but 
Um, I guess I guess personal excellence and serving if others something, is something. If something catches my eye, though, like if I'm if I'm I don't actively look for it anymore yeah. because it, it ruins my day. But if but if something catches my eye, I won't walk past it. Uh, I, okay, so you say that right. So we're getting, when we get on a plane, we were getting on a plane somewhere. Yeah, we were going to St. Louis. Or was it at California, one of the two? No, we were going, it was going to California. Going we were going to California. We're getting on a plane. Stuff on the ground, right? Guess it who was walks right by? It was, hey, it was right by. Hey. So I do have a limit, too. <laughs> no, it was like someone ate a donut. Someone ate a donut, they, and it missed the, it missed the, the trash can. He, he like, watched it happen. Me and Ty are right behind. We're right behind him. It literally, ew, it touched his mouth. Didn't even like, look at it. But you'll pick up piss paper no, in, the, no, in, the, in the bathroom. Hey, I'm like, hey. mm. But, hey, but, but, I, I, I thought y'all forgot about that story, so I was just going to press pass. <laughs> That's great. There, there is. You know, there's some I lie to myself all but, the time. But people need to think. I mean, they think, they think it's silly, yeah. you know. Like, this is why it's one of the greatest things I think that, that I learned there and that he taught is when you hold yourself to that standard, they just don't realize how it seeps into other areas of your life, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. Like, when, it's almost like the not lying thing. Yeah. It, it really is. Like, yeah. when it's a hard boundary – and you just hold it, you know, like it's impossible for you to foresee how that's going to change. you. That's right. or how that's gonna, yeah. I never imagined that stop lying. You know, hey, I'm just not going to lie anymore. I never imagined that it was going to turn me into a totally different person. Mm-hmm. I never imagined the, the right. ripple effect of that decision. Well, when you are like that all the time, attention to detail, you don't let. You know, you don't, you don't like messy spaces, whatever. Uh, how you do one thing is how you do everything, that kind of mentality. And when you hold yourself to that standard relentlessly, like I did with, with not lying, uh, it, it, I'm telling you, you'll immediate, in a year, you'll be the most valuable co- person in your company. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you'll be the most valuable employee at where, where you work. You'll be a completely different parent, a completely different person, because you can't even imagine how it's going to affect other areas yeah, of your life. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's the other deep, thing man. is, like, it's so easy yeah. to be the best. It's... People don't like this either. Yeah. It's so easy to be the best in your field, whether you're a business or what. It doesn't matter. It's so, it takes so little to be better than everybody else because there's a collective standard that's low, mm, okay? Mm. And all you have to do is do it right. That's right. it. That's all you have to do is you're do it right. You're there doing it. Like, just do it right just, while you're there. Just do it. Well, this, this thing that I learned when I was managing people at First Form is – is most people, people like us, okay, the way that we operate is if Darren's the best, okay, uh, and I come in and I'm, and I'm a guy on the team, I need to beat Darren. And if I, and if I don't beat Darren, then, I, then I'm a loser. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how I think. Mm-hmm. How most people think is they look around, let's say, okay, Tyler, you're the worst, okay, so he's a low guy on the pole, poor performer. Facts. Okay, so most people on the team they look and they say, as long as I beat Tyler, yeah. I'm not losing. It's outrunning mm. the, it's outrunning That's how most people operate, right? And so look around in all areas of life, people operate that way. They operate as long as I ain't the worst, right. then, I, then, I'm, then, I'm, yeah. then I'm above the standard. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm looking at it as I need to set the standard. And that's what I mean when I say it takes so little to be the best because 99% of people operate like that. Mm. They operate with... I just need to be not the worst. They set the bar so low. Yeah, they set Yo. the bar so low, mm. and they just do a little bit better than that. Well, to be the best, all you got to do is do it the right way. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. wipe the sink when you're done washing your hands. Uh, you know, throw your trash and make sure it lands in the garbage. Or, you know, when you're mowing your lawn. Like, it's so easy to be like, oh, fuck, I don't need to weed whack this time. Right. No, weed whack. <laughs> like, <laughs> thank you. For Someone real. Gets it. Like, for real. Mm. Like, it's so, it takes so no, little. You just got to do it. Lawn, yeah. edgy. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, the, yeah. the thing that got me thinking about that, I was in Minneapolis, oh. and I went through a car wash. And you know what? They did it right. Like, they did it right. Like, they, it, was a, it was an automatic. They, they, they got the bugs. I drove to Minneapolis from St. Louis, so I had a bunch of bugs in my car. The kid waited a second and made sure that he got all the bugs off the front, then sent me through. When I got out, they had two kids there that just briefly wiped it down. One thing I hate, I got a 4Runner, a Toyota 4Runner. Yeah. So, like, the, the back, there's sort of like an overhang over the back window. So that, it always stays wet. They dried it. Mm. And you know what? I, and, and you know what? They're the number one ranked car wash in all of Minneapolis, St. Paul, in the Twin mm. Cities, okay? Details. I went on. They had, like, thousands of reviews, and they were, like, a 4.9, okay? And you know what? All they did was what they were supposed to do. That's right. Golly. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a Probably good story. Probably got a tip, too. That's, oh, I was going to say, of course I tipped it. But of course I tipped it. To your point is the bar is so low when they do it so right. We're, like, blown yep. away. Blown away. Like, oh, my gosh. It mm-hmm. was. The, it's not even above and beyond. Yep. Not even extra. I mean, yeah. And that's I, where I, just, I said, fuck, it takes so little to be the does, best. Man. And here's it the does. other thing, too, though, is, is you talk about, like, impacting other people. Like, the attention to details, you never know who's watching you. It rubs it, off on people. It does. Especially, like, if you're wiping the sink in the bathroom and some dude just, like, went like this and just shook water everywhere and then walked out and you make eye contact with him as he's walking out <laughs> while you're cleaning up his mess. It's <laughs> my favorite thing to do. But again, as parents, <laughs> like, with kids, it's one of those things, like, my dad always told me, like, it, I don't know why I remember this, like, so vividly, but, like, told me, okay, look, when you walk with a woman or girl, whatever, you always walk on the side of the road. Like, mm-hmm. she's always on the mm-hmm. inside, okay? Mm-hmm. You obviously yep. always open her door, always let them go first, always, like, never, ever go in front. And it's one of those things, and I just, I've always continued to do it. I do it with my wife mm-hmm. and my boys now. Mm-hmm. And you never know who's watching and who's going right. to impact mm-hmm. when you hold the door. Like, for, I have this weird deal where, like, if there's anyone within, like, 30 yards, I'll stand and hold the door open. I'll wait. I'll mm-hmm. slow my day down to make sure that you're, I hold the door open for you. But that's but one like, of those you things. Never know. That's one of those things, though. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Like, you right. ain't that busy. Like, I know mm-hmm. some busy people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're never too busy to be a good person that's and right. do the things. Like, I'm, I, I like old school manners, you know. Right. Like, I... Take your hat off when you're getting ready to walk through uh, mm-hmm. the door. Like that's my mom. She'll smack the hat right off your head. You know, <laughs> like for for real. And uh, and, and to your point, I used to tell the guys in that course, because um, as as you can imagine, they have a lot of self worth, self esteem mm-hmm. issues, right? It, it, their egos are just overcompensations for yeah. you know the fact that they just really feel insecure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I t- I used to tell them, no matter who you are, somebody somewhere looks up to you. You know, mm-hmm. and you need to make sure that you're setting a good that's example right, for them. Man. You know, and yeah. that's the truth. Man. Someone's always watching. Man. Everybody thinks, oh, I don't. I only yeah. have 200 followers on Instagram, or I'm not a. I'm not a social, a public figure. I'm not this. I don't. I don't lead people. No, you do. You lead somebody. That's yeah. 200 but people. You know what? Imagine if you were in a room with 200 yeah. people, and they're all watching you speak. Yep. Tell me how nervous you would yeah. be. But you know, the most powerful thing today that that I got out of today in in us talking, man, is that it started with you. Like, you, you told yourself you're not going to lie, mm-hmm. right? And when you did that, you set these values. And you, like you said earlier about confidence, confidence is when you just continue. Trust it's like yourself. rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. You're consistent through your actions over and over. And you prove to yourself, mm-hmm. right, that you can do this, that you can do. That's where it starts, man. I, and the biggest problem I have with people now today is that we always want to criticize outwardly. Yep. Never want to come back and say, hey, this is where it starts. Yeah. I've been bullshitting myself. I've been lying to myself. And my insecurities, I want to put on someone else. Mm-hmm. Comes back to you all the time. Man, I appreciate you 
yeah. Yeah. voice in that today, man. Yeah. That was really I strong. It's that personal responsibility. It is. Like yeah. it, it, it really is. And, and, and there's that whole you control what you can control. Yeah. Okay. Perfect example. When I was saying earlier, the, the guys in prison, um, you know, I'd go out to the yard or to the gym or to the day room and they'd pick fights with me, right? Well, in the beginning, like, oh, man, there's nothing I could do. Pick a fight for me. But you know what? There was something I could do. Not go to the day room. Mm. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. like, like people, the, the, the personal responsibility is so much greater. It's, it's so, it encompasses so much more than people like to admit. You have yeah. control of so much more than you think you do. Right. Even though it, it stops here. It stops with you. You, only, you really only have control of you. You know, what you choose to do and, and whatnot. But most people would say, oh, well, that's not right. You should be able to go to the day. Mm, well, yeah. guess what? I try to deal with people as they are, not as they should be. You yes. know what? And you know what? The way that they were was, was, was it was incompatible mm. with the way I want it to be. Right. You know? So, like, that's it. You can't, you can't. That's the entitlement in America today. Mm. Oh, well, I should be able to. No. Well, fucking go out there if you know those kids want to fight you. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. You're going to exactly. get in a fight. Yeah. And then right. you're going to say, oh, it was their fault. They punched me in the face. No, it was your fault. Because you knew they wanted to punch you in the face. And you, you went out there. Ass out there. Exactly. Anyway. Right. <laughs> so that, that's where I'm at. Right. That's where I'm at. I'm not going to give you an opportunity to take me off my path. Right. You know, yeah. and, and, and the personal accountability, the personal responsibility, it encompasses so much. And when you really start to take ownership of, like I said, of, of how you've gotten to where you're at. Stop looking around at your circumstances and being like, oh, man, well, I, you know, I couldn't go to college. My parents couldn't send me or, man, I, I, I grew up poor or I, I was physically abused. I was sexually abused. Stop doing it. That's not why you're where you're at. You're where you're at because of the decisions that you've made, because you've how you've responded to the circumstances. That's mm -hmm. that's why you're at where you're at. Yeah. And, and it's it's hard. But when only when you do that, can you can you take ownership of the outcome? Right. right can yeah. you say, OK, cool. Well, it's my fault that I got here. Um, but if it's my fault that I got here, then I guess I've got control of the trajectory. Like I, so if I want to end up over here, man, I could do that too. Easy peasy. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of decision making. Yeah. Right? So there's yeah, two things, man. Like literally like so impressed. I mean, you've literally dropped gold for two hours. Like mm -hmm. literally gold. Like, See, it's two hours. How the hell is it? Crazy, hours? right? Look at this forever. But, but here, there's two things. First is there's nobody that we've talked to that has stayed on track more when we go off on random tangents <laughs> that you're like, okay, I'm gonna bring it back in guys. Come on, let's go, here go. And yeah. you go, so yeah, you're kudos on that. Because I can care about the message, you know? And you can tell, right? You can tell, but but secondly, man, is is what you're talking about on the ownership and the, the fact that you, and this goes back to when you got arrested, right? Is you have a choice, is you have a choice to let something that happened, an event, define you one way or the other, right? In your case, you chose to say, look, I could either say prison, I got screwed, like I was unfairly, I was I unfairly sentenced, which you were, all <laughs> yeah. of those things, 100%. Yeah. And I went to prison, and I've got all this, I've got, and living through that lens, right, mm -hmm. that you're the victim of it. But you chose to say, all right, I decided late in my, in, my, uh, in my bid that I'm gonna change myself, I'm gonna do this. But guess what, all of those things that I learned in there, that in your journey is the reason you're gonna have an impact. I mean, think about if you, okay, hey, look, I went, I played ba basketball, I had, you know, went through college, graduated college, that's fine, I got a job, and you just were like Coasting. the American dream, right? right? Mm -hmm. And you just did that. Mm -hmm. Had you not gone through what you went through, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't know. You probably would have done something great just knowing nah. how you're wired. But, uh -uh. but, 
because of those experiences, because of those, I mean, those awful times and unfair judgment and all those things that were bad, man, you are going to impact so many people because of that. Hopefully. And your, and your legacy on, on earth, your time here is going to be exponentially more powerful because of that. And you made that choice because it was a choice for you to say, not say I'm a victim. It's I'm going to use that as yeah. a tool. Yeah. I, I want to leave them with, with, with one final thought because it's, it's, it's perhaps the most powerful concept that, I, that I'll share today. But, you know, at some point I just got lucky. I'm just grateful that, that I had this realization. Um, and I credit a lot of it to, to God. Like I said, I have a really good relationship with God. I'm not super religious, but, um, but you know, things come to me and they ain't my idea. So right. like, who, whose idea was You're it, right. you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I woke up one day. I used to be obsessed with that question, man, what does the absolute best version of me look like? And I, and I got to the point where I had a really clear image of what that guy looked like, you know? And one day it occurred to me that like, we think about growing and evolving as like this journey, you know? But every single day you choose who you show up as, right? And so it dawned on me that like, Man, I don't have to work. It doesn't have to take me a year. I don't have to work toward that. I could wake up today and choose to show up as that guy on a moment-to-moment basis. Because as you go through life, you, you meet, you, you, I mean, unless you're 70 years old or older, right, you will undoubtedly meet and interact with more people than you have thus far, That's right. okay? Mm-hmm. So when you meet somebody brand new, I meet, I meet you today, okay? The only version of me that you even know exists is the version of me that you met today. That's right. Okay? You didn't, for, for that whole first year, nobody knew that I went to prison. Mm. Not a single person. That's right. Okay? Right. So, so the only version of me that they knew even existed in their world was the version of me that they had known up until mm. that point. Mm. And so you have an opportunity to literally, literally recreate, redefine yourself in, in the matter of a day, you know? But it, it took me six months to come up with a, a clear image of who that man was and how he would respond in different situations mm, and how mm-hmm. he'd act and how he'd eat and all those things. But once I had that, right, all it was was, okay, choosing on a moment-to-moment basis, okay? It's hard to do this day-to-day. You need to do it moment-to-moment, okay? But on a moment-to-moment basis, saying, man, how would the best version of me act or respond in this situation? And when you do that, you can literally, in one day, completely completely change you know the trajectory mm-hmm. of your life uh, man there's there's really no better way to end it than on that try to try to top yeah, that no, i'm not let's topping go, that i know in. you got to get to uh to a flight here soon yeah, how i, I know you catch. hate social media but how can people oh, I, everybody's gonna be blown away by this episode I love how can people, people connect but, with you? um mark anthony joe that's my name mark with a k um so on, on on every platform i'm on tiktok i don't use it very much but it's mark anthony joe um on instagram it's mark anthony joe and then i have a podcast called coffee with mark you can just find great it. podcast by the way mm, the, the link podcast. uh the link to the podcast is in my instagram bio yeah, that's it's on every platform. Yep, yep. Uh, Spotify. If, if you like today, you're going to love Coffee with Mark. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more of what he just Dude, put out you today. killed today. Yeah. You killed it today. I'm sorry. You're you're awesome, I told these you guys when we were having lunch, I'm like, guys, apologize. I can get a little long-winded. You Dude, you're a hell of a storyteller. That is, your, yeah. that is one of your superpowers yeah. is the way you tell well, stories. I appreciate you guys having me. Seriously, it's been so fun. And, you know, this is, this is where I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm most in my – you know, in line with what I, what, what I should be doing. Oh, so I appreciate sure. the opportunity, yeah. seriously. Oh, you know. man. Thanks, Mark. We, we have been blessed because you've been That's here, right. So Absolutely. You, appreciate yep. it. Absolutely. Cool. All right. All right, man. See you next time. Appreciate right. it, Mark.